What's up, guys? Welcome to another edition of WANK, the weekly AEW news kick. I started that a little bit like a Twitch streamer. What's up, guys? It's your boy. It's your boy, Tom. Joined, as always, by my Deutsch friend, Patrick. Did I get that right? Yeah, that was very good. Yeah, it's, it's your boy, Patrick, from uh, the north. No, that sounds really it's weird. It's your boy, like, skinny penis. You know, uh, skinny penis. <laughs> skinny <laughs> skinny pee. That fits because I'm Patrick, so. <laughs> um, and we are also joined by a man who is a nail in the ass and a pretty pink bow away from a starring role in the next uh, Winnie the Pooh movie. It's, it's Hugh. Hey. The joke is, is that you're Eeyore. Oh, yeah, I'm definitely Eeyore. <laughs> I've got big Eeyore energy, bro. Um, anyone who has tuned in before few podcasts ago i can't remember no, was it our uh patrick i can't pronounce the name of the episode that uh hugh was on last can you do the honors Röhrenfernseher. there we go <laughs> Röhrenfernseher. Röhrenfernseher. The last time you may have heard hugh yeah yeah it was at least you, four ago wasn't it yeah you may at have least. forgotten that uh hugh has a podcast called western bias yeah i do he, he i don't think he really mentioned it last time no i didn't mention it enough basically <laughs> it's definitely how i feel about that <laughs> we obviously don't have Jack this week. He is no busy. one cares. Yeah, really? whatever. I think I took. I think I took a little bit of my Jack bullying out on you then. <laughs> <laughs> the good thing is now, like because we say I no one cares, and so and then when he's listening, he's like, oh, you son of a bitch. <laughs> Just sat there. Oh, <laughs> because he's editing it without being here. That's so good. <laughs> I'm so excited to listen to my guys' podcasts. <laughs> to listen to it as a as a spectator this time. Oh. oh. Yeah, well, maybe I have to, to, I have to prepare my, my ginger my ginger drink, a yeah, ginger ale. That is the price you pay if you just like don't show up, you know. Because you as we know, gingers on. have to drink ginger ale to survive. I thought they had to drink iron brew. I think I think iron brew is what causes the, the ginger, and then ginger yeah. ale is what... what it's also uh, what causes diabetes in Scotland. I was, just, I was I just about to say it's like diabetes, but and ginger ale is like the insulin. Anyway... That's a bizarre conversation. <laughs> um, as always, we start with any news regarding AEW to begin with. It's not really breaking news or anything big, but has anyone played the AEW Casino game that came out? No. No. Um, Is it good? Don't. No. Yeah, no, no I <laughs> Someone... So I can't remember who it was. It might have been Liam who told me it's literally a uh, it's literally a completely different game with nothing to do with AEW that's already out on the market and all they've done is changed the loading screen. I'm like, oh, he's being facetious, obviously. Like, they won't have released it and all they've done is changed... No, all they've done is changed the loading screen. It's just you get a loading screen exactly. of, like... Yeah, Sting right. And it's completely the same game. It's just the loading screen, and I was in what? it actually just for just for a second or so. It's it's not really good. Like I, I did well, it, it immediately. It's got nothing really. to do with AEW when you go on nothing. it. Like there's there's no, no nothing. He's not being facetious. He's not exaggerating. There's nothing on there AEW whatsoever. Like it's just a casino game with like random like Viking slots or or something like you know theme slots and stuff like that, and then. It's just the, the icon on the homepage and the loading screen is AEW and then it's nothing to do with a wrestling like, company. Like, What's, it's so bizarre. You say it doesn't have even like slots with the Young Bucks no, in it? Nope, it doesn't have Young Bucks slots or anything like that, which 
it's what? it's literally yeah, once it boots up, oh my God. you would have no idea you're in an AEW game. Dude, it's so um, weird. Imagine if the, when they release the actual wrestling game, it's just it's just like um, SmackDown versus Raw, but they've got <laughs> creator wrestlers <laughs> of the AEW guy, and that's it. <laughs> I have to imagine that they were paid for the, like a substantial amount of money to do this. It was just like a like a sponsorship sort of thing. Do you know what I mean? Put your name to it and like because. There's Maybe no way Audrey. someone like o- Aubrey. Aubrey made there's it, no way she was involved in developing this. Before, so. This is yeah, but there is no way this is what they wanted. There is no way I refuse to accept it. Go go and play it, Hugh, just so you can see what I mean. It's I mean, don't play it. Just boot it up. Uh, yeah, see. I don't really want to play it, but maybe no, no, I'll da- check it download out just it. To complain about it. You know, download it. Get past the loading screen. You'll it see sounds what I mean. like I don't know. It sounds like maybe they were like, okay, we will make your your wrestling game but you have to put your branding on our casino game on the app store or something like that you know, yeah so uh, there is definitely some it. sort of there's definitely some sort of deal gone on here it's is this isn't the game they wanted to make you know like when you know, like when an actor makes one really really commercial film and then the next one he comes out is always about like heroin and in in the working class <laughs> yeah, it's like that yeah, probably exactly yeah so so based on that i expect the next one to be fucking amazing <laughs> do you know what i mean because the cash they got for selling out on the, it really is selling out straight up selling out 100 percent. let's launch into this week's AEW dynamite First off, we opened the show, that's right, opened the show with Cody Rhodes and Red Velvet versus Jade Cargill and Shaq. I just, before we launch into it, I want to say I think it's absurd this is Jade Cargill's debut based on how I, I, you know, I literally forgot she'd never wrestled in AEW before because of how much they picked her up. Do you know what I mean? Like, and the fact that she came in and got straight into a feud with a top star. I, I literally like, is it her AEW debut? Oh, yeah. I've never seen her wrestle before. I think something in my brain just assumed I had based on how they've been promoting her. Um, it's literally what we were saying to each other when we were watching it. Like, really, like, it, did she ever wrestle before? Did we see her before? Like, really? Yeah. She's, de- she's definitely not been on Dark then. No. She, no, no she well, I just assumed she had because this what? was her AEW debut. What? It's so weird. Wow. It's so weird. Okay. Um, that being said, were you surprised this was the first match of the night Patrick definitely because they build it up so much I was thinking it might be a main event or so uh, maybe it was a program decision that they're putting this match first because people won't stay until the end but in the end you know it's it's not smart if you want to keep people interested into the product to keep tuning in more but uh, I was surprised yeah definitely well, that it was it, the opening here's my theory is that um this match has no revolution ramifications, and this is the go-home show to revolution. So I figure they would want to put... And I've, I've also got a theory that, you know, na- normally in a pay-per-view go-home show, you'd have the main event people end the night. You know what I mean? Uh, have, like, a face-off between Mox and Kenny. But I've got a theory that they're shielding because cause of COVID to preserve that main event. Because if someone comes down with COVID... You know, a few days before, even with the precautions they've got in place, that's going to completely ruin their main event at Revolution. That's the one match they can't afford to, you know. So Kenny wasn't on TV, neither was Mox Tool this week. So that's my theory about yeah, why. Right, right. I, I why was they... actually wondering why they were not on TV and just a big package. Uh, it's just a theory, show, but so. that's what I'm. I'm. Well, it's I think probably that's a good point. So, yeah. Um, 
so they had to end the show and because and it was a go home show for a pay per view I guess they felt they had to end the show with a story that was going to be you know ha- have be a factor on the pay per view whereas C- Cody and Shaq it's his own thing it's not to do with Revolution so I assume that's why they ended with what they ended with even though I still think there might have been a better segment they could have ended with but that's that's to come at the end uh, yeah thoughts on this match overall though Hugh let's come to you actually thought it was a good match yeah like, me too I was, yeah. I was like, I've not seen Jade Cargill wrestle not seen Red Velvet wrestle good match it was a little bit though of a pretend tag match <laughs> yeah I, I mean like 80% I, to be on- of the wrestling was done by those two like I'm not you know like Shaq would do a big spot against Cody they'd tag out and then like Jade and Red Velvet would take over and do most of the work but Just I thought that- genuinely between those two, Red Velvet and Jade Gargill, really good match. Like, yeah, Red you know. Velvet specifically for me stood out. Um, I'll just I also think, to be honest, Shaq did. He was more impressive than I expected him to be, which is a low bar. But like, yeah. he's a great athlete and everything. But he's fifty, you know, and he did pretty well, you know. But it was a lot of oh, he did one massive move and now he's gone. Which, to be fair, he's not a pro wrestler and he is quite old. So I, I I'm willing to let that slide, really. Well, he didn't botch, and Cody let him hit a powerbomb on him. I'll just run you through the match. Um, Yeah, Shaq and Cody, I believe, started out, and they did a little bit of wrestling. I was pleased to see that Cody, to begin with, started out-wrestling Shaq when they were doing a little bit of... I don't want to say chain wrestling, because it was barely that, but they were doing the arm twists, you know, the starting out. And I I was pleased to see that they didn't have... It was like Goldberg versus Regal. Yeah, they didn't have... One of them's doing chain wrestling. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. They didn't have Shaq out-wrestle Cody. Um, They had Cody out-wrestle Shaq briefly, and then Shaq powered out with his sheer power. Um, Yep, um, so them two wrestled up a little bit. Shaq got the upper hand, I believe. Uh, The women tagged in. Red Velvet came in with an impressive series of strikes. Um, Then Cody seemed to be working this match heel, starting around the halfway point of this match, because... Um, he kind of went after Shaq with a kind of cheap run-in, and then Austin Gunn hit Shaq from behind with a chair, which was weird to me, seeing as Shaq and, yeah. Shaq and Jay Cargill have been working this entire feud heel, and the Nightmare family come and try to like just yeah. gang up on very much heel tactics. Um, it was super odd. I did find that really odd, because then it's like, normally the heels are the, it's the heel side who attacks someone near the, you know, near the the edge normally and then suddenly the face side is doing it and I was like okay yeah. you know then um, Jay Cargill gets a table out and uh, I think was it Red Velvet got a second table out I don't I didn't quite buy that this um, this Jay Cargill Red Velvet feud is hot enough for tables for them to want to go for the tables but as we saw in the end it wasn't actually for them Shaq hit that powerbomb we talked about Cody slammed Shaq off the ropes didn't he in a bit of a Hulk on Andre moment and um, yeah, it wasn't it wasn't a it wasn't a huge slam, but I mean, Shaq is huge, isn't he? Like, I, I kind of yeah, forgot how big he was. Yeah, definitely. Like, like uh, I, I don't know how how uh, tall he is. Like, maybe no, as Paul either. White or or uh, Great Khali or so. But he's about he's... the same height as Big Show, I think, because I seem to remember that from their actual matches together. Okay. But I, he's huge. I just know he's a huge dude. You know. Yeah. And uh, then, obviously, we saw Cody put Shaq through the tables. Um, Red Velvet used Brandy's finisher, a spear. That shows how much I'd seen Brandy. They had to clarify it was Brandy's finisher, the spear. I was like, oh, is it? Um, 
the camera missed it. The camera missed this. The, yeah, they what watched was, what it was again. Fo- yes, yeah. it, it's so annoying. Like the director directly, the first thing I said again, who the fuck is directing that? Because it always at some at some match in the show, like at one important point, they're going to the wrong camera. And they, they need to fix that really. Let's still the thing where they're really bad at i think well, tony Khan needs to sign kevin dunn maybe from from <laughs> wwe don't put that energy out into the world <laughs> um no uh yeah yeah it was weird because it was a false finish as well so yeah that, that was that was at that point in time we were led to believe that was the finish and they just missed it Do you know what i mean so um obviously it wasn't the Typical. finish um you know uh Cargill, uh, it was near fall. Cargill hits her finisher, and um, sorry, uh, Patrick, you might be able to remind me because I've forgotten who was it on our podcast that for a couple of weeks in a row, maybe 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 even three weeks in a row, has been saying that uh, Jay Cargill will pin Red Velvet and that'll be the finish of the match. Who, who was that? Who was that person? It sounds like it was me. I think, but you know, <laughs> you've not been on our podcast three weeks in a row. Well, it's only your second you know, time. I probably tweeted it or something. Um. <laughs> I don't know. Was it me? Was it Jack? Uh, to, to be honest, I really don't know. <laughs> it was me. It was, you don't okay, listen to anything yeah, okay. I say. I've been saying. I've been saying that's definitely how this match is going down. What? You've wow. stolen my moment, and you will pay. I uh, didn't realize that's what you were doing. See, even Hugh got it, Patrick. Um, but he, but he's listening to it. I'm I'm here while we are doing it and not re-listening to it. So I'm just responding. So you don't listen to our show. No. You just outed I don't, I don't, yourself. Yeah, I don't fake it. No, I'm, I'm here. I don't listen to my show either. Just a funny you? thing, you know, like how <laughs> tall Shaq is. Do you remember that meme? There's like, he's going out with his new girlfriend. She's like three heads <laughs> yeah. smaller than him. And I was actually going to bring that up myself. Yeah, right. And then there's like a hamster who tries to put like a whole banana into his mouth. Yeah. So that's, that's everything. <laughs> A woman shouldn't be alive. Um, yeah, I actually, I actually did like this match as well. I'm with you. Um, however, uh, I actually started keeping a tally of how many times Jade Cargill taunted. Unique taunts as well, not the same one. And I don't mean just like taunting towards the opposition, like stopping in the ring to do, like first she was she did a weird, I can't even describe it, like like a mini dance sort of taunt, and then she started in press ups, and then she did the flex. And then she did, she did like, uh, I've got it down here, six. Six times she stopped to taunt at the camera. I thought that was kind of overkill. Well, it almost reminded me of maybe, the... Sorry, yeah, yeah, sorry, like maybe maybe like somebody is playing a video game because... Oh, we were fuck you! Fuck you! I was just saying it almost <laughs> reminded just... me of... What, you can't just cut me off in the middle of a joke and say <laughs> sorry. the joke. That's really poor form. <laughs> 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 we just did. Two times now and we're just ten minutes in. <laughs> I miss Jack. I remember in SmackDown, if you kept pressing the taunt button, it would like gradually go up, even if you hadn't finished the taunt. Maybe she yeah, was going that for was, that. That was that was the joke I was trying to make you. Um, that wasn't the joke. Get through it now. <laughs> there's a uh, there's a position opening up, by the way. Just incidentally, uh, for a new co-host on on this show, uh, it just came up thirty seconds ago. <laughs> I'm messing with you. I'm far too cool for that, so you need to get someone else, I think. Uh, I, wasn't ask- I wasn't asking. You were dunking on me, too. You were stealing my thunder, too. There's there, uh, it, there must be an American coming, because the British people never got it, like, beat the Germans alone, so... <laughs> wait, wait, wait. I don't, have, I don't have my siren. We're not supposed to talk about that. That's one of your forbidden topics. Okay. 
Oh, what, what, you load the soundboard. Hey, wait, I don't have my soundboard up. I also don't have a siren sound on our own. Uh, yeah, with with the if there would be a VAR back then, then you, we still wouldn't have one because the VAR doesn't see shit. <laughs> I don't. I don't have a siren sound. I really need to. Um, I have. You don't have a soundboard there. I have a soundboard. I just don't have a siren sound loaded onto uh, it. I, I mean, I could I could tell you off with the beginning of the Big Show's song. Shut the fuck up, Patrick. That's how one. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that's fair. That's fair. Well. Yeah, um, I actually quite. I, I've just told you to shut the fuck up. Now I'm going to ask for you for your opinion because uh, you said you like this match. I like this match. What was your opinion on this match, Rahul Patrick? I'm not saying anything anymore. You offended me. I'm going home. <laughs> I didn't offend you. <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> no, just kidding. Uh, yeah, it was surprisingly good. I think everyone expected it to be shit. Um, Shaq was good because he did what he did. So yep. that was fine. He he also you can still see he's an athlete. He's not walking around like a robot or so. Uh, Jade Cargill was fine for her first wrestling match. I don't know if it was ever her first wrestling match, but her first dynamite match. And completely one hundred percent agree with you that Red Velvet is the queen. Really, like she's she she's so awesome. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, the match was surprisingly good. I liked the spots. Uh, I also I found it like a little cringy that the gun club needs needed to involve, and I was like, oh, Austin Gun, just keep your hands and everything out of everything. This is He's... how I learned that the gun club are in the Nightmare Family. <laughs> oh yeah, really, right? Yeah, I, I also didn't know that. I that thought shit's they were like in the, the NWO at this point, isn't it? I thought they had their own Everyone's thing. Everyone's in it. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, it's like I, the NWO uh, at this point. I do love classic NWO where it's got every jobber and then three people who are good. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's that's basically what the nightmare... I mean... Yeah. I mean, it's just Cody, really, isn't it? Cody, is Scorpio Sky in the Nightmare Family? No. no. Like this other no. black so you got, guy? You got, you got QT and... Marshall. <laughs> I'm um, trying to think of the three good wrestlers for their version of the NWO. I can only really think of I Cody. Mean, I mean, I would argue for Dusted in a way. Yeah, but... yeah, but he's... But he's yeah. he he does eat a lot of pins because he's happy to because he's an old bloke. But you know, mm. yeah. And then uh, this other new black guy and Brandon Lee Johnson. Lee Johnson is his name, right? And this other new guy. <laughs> I, I'm really bad with names. I'm sorry. Uh, they just signed another new guy. What's his name again for this? Uh, Rick, no, no, Marky Johnson, Rocky Romero, not not him. No, the NJPW. I think you might have dreamt this, Patrick. Huh? <laughs> 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 no, not I Rocky no Romero. Idea. No. It'd be great if Rocky Romero uh, I mean, was I, I in the Nightmare Family just, just, in, in, just in NJPW. It's 2021, <laughs> and anything's possible. Yeah, because now NJPW you can send people over, so maybe Rocky Romero is wearing a Nightmare Family shirt in Japan. I mean, Adam Cole was in the Bullet Club, except really only in Ring of Honor and not actually in New Japan, so That's true, it happens. Yeah. Uh, next up, we had Tony Schiavone letting himself into an ambulance to try and... Uh, check on Shaq because oh that's the point um, Shaq died at the end of this match Marty the Muff Martinez keep on going there you go Marty the Muff Shaq died I was saying yeah he died of table he died, died of table, table. Yeah. Um, and then and he gets bringing up bad video games and stuff but <laughs> that's another story <laughs> he gets loaded into an ambulance and uh, then <laughs> I just found this bit hilarious so he, has, he gets loaded into an ambulance they cut away and then they cut back after the break and it's Tony Schiavone, assuming that this is a normal thing that people do, letting himself into the back of an ambulance to get an interview with a guy that was just comatose. <laughs> like, is that's that's not a thing that happens. Like, 
what world does he live in where that's okay? Uh, and then, like some kind of cheesy horror movie, Shaq is gone. Where's Shaq gone? How was this? He's just disappeared without a trace. Um, so I've got a prediction for Revolution. I think Shaq's going to come back as the Yeti, wrapped in bandages. <laughs> Shockmaster just, 2.0. Yeah, and just hug people like the Yeti did, you know. Um, or Giant Pat- Gonzalez 2. Like, I don't know, Giant Black Man, whatever. <laughs> You've said black too many times for a German on this podcast. It's... And I'm out. <laughs> and he's out. That's your three. <laughs> three strikes and you're out. <laughs> now, actually, we need two strikes to be out. World War One, World War Two, and you're out. That's, 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 quite, that's quite scary, saying you've got three strikes. There's another coming. <laughs> you never know. <laughs> They're biding their time. Patrick, Patrick yeah. knows he just went Yeah, we'll us. come back out of nowhere. Like a... Like a comeback like Kane or The Undertaker, but now <clears throat> let's let's don't keep it too comedic. <laughs> let's go back to the show. <laughs> let's stop talking about genocide. Uh, that's, um, I yeah. think that's the vibe here. So just 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 in, <laughs> just in case you're hearing an echo sometimes because you and I are, are at his place, so maybe that's the comedy vibes here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah <laughs> just talk I forgot to unmute myself. Yeah, uh, we're in the comedy house where we do the Western Bias podcast, which is less serious than this one. So. <laughs> Okay, yeah. so actually next up after that it was a uh, Pack and Ray Phoenix versus John Skyler and D3. I don't think I saw this D3. I don't think I saw the camera on him through the entire uh, match. Literally remember. the same. I said to Patrick because I missed the start. I said, "Is this a two on one match?" And Patrick said, "No, the <laughs> other guy's on just one. out." <laughs> two on like, one okay. match against the jobber. Um, yeah, well, because they used to have two-on-one tag matches, I remember, but they tended to be like the Undertaker versus two of the smaller people from DX. Um, started very fast Pack hit a full 50 and then Ray Phoenix hit a finisher I forgot he had Um, that was the match it was was a it was a cut and dry squash match not even an AEW squash match it was a WWE squash match Um, yeah I mean I have been calling for faster squash matches I was kind of hoping a little longer than this one you can never please wrestling fans I was I'm hoping for I'm hoping for like two minutes. No, this was about two minutes. Okay, I don't know what I'm hoping. It was for. two minutes, I think. Like it I was maybe just le- under. Two no, minutes. one minute eleven seconds. Oh, there you go. Much there you go. You, you were forty-nine seconds short of. Okay, yeah, of, of perfection. I needed. I need a two-minute squash match. That's what I'm asking for. Um, but to be uh, honest, this is like how how whole, uh, the whole show felt in the end. Like it felt very rushed. The whole very show rushed. Was very, There was about three or four, ta- three or four time. times when they were clearly not budgeting time well, production wise. Because I remember, okay, without giving away too much, I remember, um, I remember there was more than two. But the two I remember off the top of my head was uh, Tony Schiavone coming out with an interview with Paul White when other people were still leaving the ring. Um, after a match, and uh, I won't say who because again, we're going to talk to talk about that. Um, and the main event, after the main event, the events that ensued after the main event seemed incredibly rushed as well, and took a bit of shine off the finish, in my opinion. But yeah, it was plagued with this issue throughout the whole show. So seems AEW is still not budgeting their time fantastically. And the directions. Um, really not From much the to say the about. Camera. <laughs> really not much more to say about this. Um, Pretty really much, we can really say about this uh, this match, is there? Pack, pack, and I still don't yeah, like their music. It, it was Death fine. Triangles. I still don't like Death Triangles music. No, I don't we'll really remember their music at all. So because you're bad. having a Linux there, I think that's ah uh, Linux is the best. Shut up. <laughs> it's really good. It's the best. Next up, we had the Inner Circle press conference. Um, 
uh, one thing I wanted to point out was they came out to Judas, not Judas slash MGF's theme mix, but still had the mix video. I just thought that was quite interesting. Uh, maybe they worked out his sounds shit. <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe exactly. Um, yeah, we had uh, Dasha Gonzalez hosting, um, and she opened up the floor to the press, two of which were from the same place. Um, I can't remember what they called them. Barstool Sports, that was it. And the first guy, his microphone didn't work at all, so we didn't even ask hear what question he asked. Another one goes to the real good production quality of it. Yes. <laughs> so funny. And the other two were Comrade Thompson and Eric Bischoff. Um, first off, uh, Jericho kind of listed his tag accolades to the guys from Barstool, Barstool Sports. Um and uh, said that MGF was better than all of them, better than The Rock, better than Big Show. Um, sorry, Dwayne Johnson and Paul White. Um, and then Comrade Thompson came out. MGF called him Turkey Tits. <laughs> um, I remember uh, that yeah. from their uh, like Twitter feud, they have like every once in a while just writing back and forth like really mean insults or so to each other. Mostly, does of course, MJF. But does just... MJF and Comrade Thompson do they have? Um... Yeah, yeah, he's like he's doing that every once in a while, like commenting on tweets or retweeting, and like, uh, Turkey Tets is doing some fundraiser shit again. Don't support this shit. So, some stuff like that. He's doing that every once in a while. So I knew the insult Turkey Tits already. Uh, I I didn't, to be honest. Uh, the most, but it's good, I right? Don't, <laughs> I don't really, I don't listen to Greenland Jr. So the my extent of knowledge on Comrade Thompson is that he's married to the other Flair, <laughs> the other Flair daughter. And uh, is is I, d- I didn't even know that. So there you go. No, no, he's ah. he's, he's Rick Flair. The one which doesn't look artificial. So, yeah. anyone got any thoughts on this segment? It was funny. I liked it. It was a lot, right. of, lot of sound bites from MJF. I thought. Yeah, like I thought it was funny enough, but it, it, I don't know. Yeah, it was fine. It was good. It was alright. Like mm. uh, they claimed that their attack on Papa Buck was self-defense. Yeah, that was <laughs> how they backed funny. it up. Um, a couple of a couple of quotes from MJF. He called the crowd disgusting paws, using paws as a noun. Yeah, I like that. He he referred to Matt Jackson as malnourished Matt, and uh, Nick was wish my hair was thick. Nick also. That was <laughs> like, awesome. Really, like yeah. that was really good. Anyway, uh, at the end of it all, they obviously were pissing off the young bucks way too much, and the young bucks came out looking incredibly ticked off G darn pissed uh, and uh, Nick spoke briefly and then Matt cut quite an emotional promo about how much he loves his dad and uh, how uh, MGF and Jericho's dads clearly didn't do a good job um, and yeah failed them then went on to say that uh, without Papa Buck kind of you know inspiring them uh, and their attitude that MGF would be at home with his parents waiting for a call from the Rosie O'Donnell show and uh, and that um, what was he said about Jericho that Jericho would be uh, curtain jerking at the performance centre was was his exact right. words I believe that, that was really good that like, was brutal yeah right I um I like that I, I think they're overusing the Rosie O'Donnell thing now with uh, MJF yeah, I don't know about they, you. They're doing that. They did the acclaimed, the acclaimed reference that a couple of times. I think. Yeah, like, and I think everyone who knows that, like, <clears throat> knows knows, yeah, really, really knows him. Like, who's it was a little more into wrestling or indie wrestling, whatever. They know about this this stuff, and they are, uh, yeah, picking on him with that. Plus, it's a shit insult in the sense that he went on as a kid doing opera singing or like show show tune singing, right? 
and then he gets named best musical performance by was it like the New York Times or something like that on, te- yeah, on the right. television awards best, of the best year TV entertainment life whatever oh yeah <laughs> yeah so you know, how was that. that an insult that he went on doing that and now he's um now he's won a fucking award for it like from a kind of prestigious newspaper it's kind of like a you know it's not really an effective insult then uh, Doc Gallows and Carl Anderson came out and brought some tables with them and the Young Bucks uh, annihilated Santana and Ortiz by, yeah that was uh, great Nick jumped off the Titantron and uh, Matt off the stage I believe thoughts other than Pat so, and Hugh who said it was great but so like when when Matt landed he really looked like he'd actually injured himself to me he's was so just good like, at selling yeah but for a second I was just like if Matt's actually injured and they've just done this really good like set up for a match <laughs> and then they had who, to go oh the good brothers are subbing in for the young bucks <laughs> I was just about to ask you who would who would sub in for Matt Jackson if he got I don't in? know uh, maybe Kenny how would you book that, Patrick? Just as a fun little exercise, if one yeah, of the Bucks got injured. Maybe maybe really like the Good Brothers jumping in, putting their Impact titles on the line. Maybe that would be a good thing. Yeah. I found it also quite, like to be honest, like quite weird that they came out and put out the tables out of like nowhere or not real like, like a build up or anything, you know, like because before it was always build up that Don Callis is backstage with them at Kenny and so now they're just coming out doing that and leaving mostly again without like doing a lot just putting up the table i think uh, carl anderson was holding uh i don't know it was uh, uh, uh no i think it was uh ortiz holding him on the table and that's yeah. just it there was no like interaction it was more like okay now it's a and, help and but we want to help you i'm not really sure so yeah yeah but the announcers think- didn't sell it they sold it like it was such a mundane thing and here are the good brothers mm-hmm. coming out it was like it was like uh you know a snooker announcer the way they got to announce that uh the good brothers are out there to help out like- but i think it might be like we mentioned earlier right like that the kenny and john moxley weren't there maybe they're also leaving Don out of the way until the show in case whatever they're shielding for whatever reason so then I think they, are so shielding. they didn't know how to they didn't know how to sell the good brothers command to sell the, to save them without just doing it in a boring way i don't know but if it was if it if it was part of the block of episodes that they filmed all in one go that would make sense to me that they you know it'd be an oversight in production that they came yeah. out and they forgot to kind of hype it as if it was the first time they were seeing them that night. But this was this went out live, I think. This episode, yeah, definitely. So, there was there was uh, uh, audience there. Like they cut to uh, to them several times to show the people and reactions and signs and whatever. So yeah, because during pandemic times, it it's actually a very big deal, bigger deal than usual that someone from another company would be there because of the logistics of having them there. Do you know what I mean? So every time the the Good Brothers are there, they should be big in this. Like it's. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah, it's a big that's a good deal, point, not... actually. Yeah. I know. I make a lot of those. Wait, are, are TNA events are happening in Orlando? I assume, right? No, they're. Um, I think they're in Tennessee. Are they? Okay. I thought. They, so, do they not have the Impact Zone down in Florida anymore? I don't think so. I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure they're emanating out of uh, Tennessee at the moment. Yeah, because I know I'll the company's to... based in Tennessee, but I, was, I thought the Impact Zone was like, like Universal Studios or something. No, uh, well, I mean, it used to be obviously the Impact Zone it used to be. Yeah, Universal like like Studios. a while ago, right? Like it's moved, maybe. But it's well, it's been bought out by a Canadian company, and that was officially a a Canadian, a Canadian slash American promotion. So yeah, um, can American uh, wrestling? Yeah, 
Can American. I like it. Moving on from that, we had a Moxley from a Moxley. We had a Moxley from John Promo. Um, we had we had a promo. Moxley, we have a Moxley here. See, no one cares. Um, <laughs> we have a promo uh, hyping John Moxley versus Kenny Omega in the barbed wire exploding barbed wire match. Um, I think the standout from this was is it Atsushi Onita. I think it is. Is the kind of Japanese deathmatch innovator was uh, was in this. Um, I don't know. Were either of you aware of him before before this or? So, sorry, I just looked up there. They are in Nashville, Tennessee, like you said before. So, but it, it's like I, I was first on the German Wikipedia, and this said like uh, Universal Studios, and still I was like, ah, oh, that sounds weird. But no, I, I don't know that guy actually. Um, but it's funny that they brought him into the game a bit, like to show a little bit this tradition, and they had some old material of these really weird matches to bring people in who are not familiar maybe with that. I know this is a little like a very, very special, uh, uh, let's say, subgenre of wrestling itself or match category itself, like also like the CZW Tournament of Death or so, which not a lot, even like big uh, wrestling fans who are watching it weekly are aware of. But I think it's it's also nice that they, like I said before, that they introduced it a bit, showed a little bit the history of it, what's going on there. Um, having this guy on, I forgot his name, you have to t tell me again. I'm, I'm bad with names. Asushi Anita, okay, good. Um, and um, yeah, I think like in general, like we had that also in our resting group yesterday, talking about it a bit. Um, it's it's something special that they are putting up a match like this, which not everyone might like. But I think it's it's a special attraction. Maybe if they do it once or so in between, and you have these characters who directly uh, or really really fit into that thing because they have this thing that mostly is a dangerous, brutal guy, and Kenny is just a crazy. Uh, motherfucker now like he's he's uh like he's behaving so yeah i'm interesting i'm i'm interested in the outcome like, like i'm a hardcore fan i'm really looking forward to that match but i like like this build up really would you like a brief history lesson on that sushi anita as i say we don't just come to laugh we come to learn i would love one i knew i knew you would um yeah so he uh Originally started his career um, early 80s, early to mid 80s. He uh, was picked to be the ace of the AJPW's All Japan Pro Wrestling's junior division. So you know how, like how um, uh, you know New Japan have their junior division. Um, he, uh, they were kind of. I read about it earlier. I'm trying to think off the top of my head. They were kind of like paling in comparison to the um, kind of New Japan Pro Wrestling junior division. But then he had this feud with Chavo Guerrero Senior. Um, and uh, they 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 got all these titles involved in it. Like Chavo brought an NWA title over, and they had the age of um, All Japan Pro Wrestling uh, kind of junior title. Um, and yeah, he ended up he ended up retiring the first time because of an injury, and then he had a failed comeback in All Japan, um, and was let go again. Uh, I don't know. I don't know if this time was due to a second injury or whether he was just let go because it was a failed comeback that didn't he didn't get over so well. He was replaced as the ace, and then he challenged a martial artist uh, called Masushi Ayawaga Ayawagi Ayawagi. There you go, Masushi Ayawagi, um, uh, and he got it was for, it was in a legitimate shoot fight in a kind of karate. It was some sort of martial arts fight but he got he actually got disqualified from the match due to using wrestling moves in it um and he kind of held a grudge about that weirdly 
and then challenge this guy again, the same guy to... I, I have to think... I mean, just from reading about it, it seems like a work, like, or he intentionally got himself disqualified so that he could set this up. But, you know, based on the back of being disqualified from this shoot fight promotion match, he uh, he he challenged the guy again to two, like, death matches that he'd seen in Memphis, because death matches came from Memphis, and he was the guy that brought it over to Japan and made it infamous in Japan. So he challenged this guy in these two kind of really extreme kind of deathmatch matches um, and they 50-50 booked it the other guy this you know martial artist guy won I don't want to say his name again hold on Iwagi um, he, he won the first one and um, Anita won the second one and those two matches became FMW which is Frontier Martial Arts Wrestling which was a big deathmatch promotion in Japan and the rest is history actually the rest is very interesting so he's had about I won't go in any more into his wrestling career because we're short for time and he's had about a billion different retirements like every other hardcore wrestler, not naming any names, Terry Funk. <laughs> so, um, yeah, he's uh, his most recent appearance was a couple of years ago, actually, and he's like uh, he's in his 60s now. But anyway, he then went on to have a political career like Antonio Inoki did. Um, I've just got this, but I don't know off the top of my head, so I've just I've pulled up his Wikipedia Though he originally dropped out of high school, Anita returned to finish his education when he was in his late 30s. In 2001, he won the 19th House of Councillors election as a representative of the Liberal Democrat Party, following Antonio Inoki and Hiroshi Hase to a seat in the Japanese... You all know this. Japanese diet? Japanese diet? I'm afraid you, I actually don't know that. <laughs> oof, that, that um, I would, but I'm afraid I do not know. That Asian studies degree, not going to... Well, I was Chinese and Korean, so I guess... <laughs> it's the other Japan. <laughs> the other Japan, uh, yeah. One of his one of his first major acts in office was to lo- launch a post nine eleven humanitarian mission to Afghanistan, where he performed professional wrestling matches in crudely constructed rings made of sticks and rope to benefit the children. This was all documented on film. Um, and this bit's quite interesting, depending on your definition of the word interesting. Like fellow professional wrestler Scott Steiner, Onita has also claimed to have broken Will Chamberlain's record of sleeping with twenty thousand women. Coincidentally, his exit from politics was forced by a sex scandal in which he was alleged to have used government accommodations to host a threesome with a pornographic film actress and female employee of the Ministry of Land, Infrastructure and Transportation. (laughs) I like I don't think they know what the word coincidentally means, because I don't think it's a coincidence that a man who's claimed to slept with over twenty thousand Uh, after after retirement from politics, he lent his name and image to a Nintendo DS game, Atushi Onita's Political Quiz. <laughs> what a life that man's had. It's maybe maybe it just has one category and just name all the women I've slept with. That's the whole game. <laughs> so I, I do have an I do have an Asian uh, uh, um, Asian update. In English, it's called the National Diet or Diet or whatever. Diet. It must be. But, it can't be uh, diet. But in Japanese, it's called kokai. Uh, I like how you openly admit that your your degree was in Chinese and Korean, yet you're trying to pronounce things very Japanese. Right. you got to say it flat. Anyway, but <laughs> in Chinese, it'd be guo hui, uh, which means country something. Wait, it means a different thing in Mandarin. Anyway, so I don't know why we call it the national diet or diet. I have no idea. <laughs> we'll, have to, we'll have to become an OWE podcast, Oriental Wrestling, whatever they're called. I can't remember what the East Entertainment. Entertainment, yeah. That's very, that's very fed. That's very events. It'd be um, better if it was education. <laughs> <laughs> then we, then we could uh, get some hot takes from you. But yeah, I thought that was, I, I mean, that it was a very interesting man. I had to look into, and uh, once I got reading, 
So I don't know. Maybe they'll get him back. I doubt it, but it's not. Thank I like. You. I like. Thank what you for the history lesson. But amazing, really. That like <laughs> his political career was ended because of sex scandal. That's so. I just. So I great. just like that on Wikipedia they say coincidentally when it's clearly not a coincidence that yeah, this man had a right. sex scandal. Is I would say it's a certainty. <laughs> Do you know yeah. what I mean? Did you say he was a representative or a councillor though. I think I said a councillor. Yeah. There you go. He's in the House of Councillors, which is apparently the lower house. So he was a just like uh, like Congress people in in the states. Yeah, he would be a representative. Apparently, he would be a representative though, because the representative is the lower house in America, but in Japan, it's the councillors. What? Yeah, I know. Politics. Politics. We get we're getting highbrow on this podcast now. Next up, we had Jurassic Express versus FTR and Tully Blanchard. Uh, 30, what did they say? 31 years or 30 since he was last in the ring? 30, 30 odd years, anyway. Um, Not long enough. Uh, they came out with JJ Dillon, former uh, manager of the Four Horsemen, uh, which was a nice touch. And a nicer touch was that. Uh, Tully Blanchard was wearing his old. Now we got US, it. US, US <laughs> we were belt. asking who was JJ Dillon. We didn't google it so thanks yeah, for yeah. that <laughs> i'll talk i'm it's i'm just i'm gonna give you some more history now in a sec um he was wearing the old u.s title belt now this is breaking kayfabe which some uh someone somewhere maybe jim Cornette, is gonna bust a nut about um the fact he was wearing it because that title was allegedly um destroyed by nikola koloff um in a in a brawl with uh in something like 92 early 90s it might have been 91 with um he had a brawl with Lex Luger, and he smashed it and repeatedly smashed it into the ring post until it shattered, and then they replaced the title. So clearly, it was not actually destroyed. Um, and so, you know, thirty Damn. years later, they're busting up WCW's spot. Oh well, I can see the vein on Jim Cornette's forehead. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Just go. Should... <laughs> should have been kept out of uh, kept out of the public eye all that time to preserve the secret. But yeah. I was interested to who who had that title now, and I don't know. I don't know who actually owns it, um, but uh, maybe Tully Blanchard owns it. I don't know. They actually mentioned his match against was it Magnum PA as he called? Um, not Magnum PI, Magnum PA. Uh, is it Magnum PA? Yeah, Magnum TA, Magnum TA. I knew that wasn't right. Um, Magnum TA. He had an I Quit match. It was an I Quit cage match actually, and I have actually seen that match, and it's brutal for its time. I'd recommend going and watching it. But yeah, no, Magnum TA, and I'm upset that I got his name slightly wrong because I have actually seen that match. It was Starcade '85, um, and he. It was an I Quit match, but Tully didn't say I Quit. It ended due to a referee stoppage because Magnum TA drove something into his head. I think it was like a like a piece of wood from a shattered chair leg or something like that. It was, uh, but yeah, for 85 on WCW, it was, um, by the day standards, maybe not so much, but it was, it was pretty brutal. It was um, a true kind of, was it like a Dusty Rhodes style, everything's covered in blood <laughs> kind of match? Maybe not uh, that much blood. But, uh, <laughs> um, talk, let's talk about a match that actually occurred recently rather than 20, 35 years ago. Um, what did you make of this match? Jurassic Express versus FTR, Hugh. It was a good match. I liked a lot of it. Um, I, loved it. I, I, I was, I did spend a long time being like, uh, I, I don't want to have a go at Tully Blanchard. He was, he was a great wrestler, but this, this seems sort of pointless having him actually in the match. I did feel yeah. that way a bit, but he did all right. He didn't do badly, I would say, but there was just a lot of, 
me going, this seems strange. Like He teased that tope at one point, didn't he? And, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the announcers seemed genuinely concerned. No, no. And then he just did his little Ric Flair uh, walk. Okay. I love that he only actually did moves to Marco, pretty much. You would, you would. <laughs> he's, like, he's like, we don't want, to, we don't want to pull his back out, so he'll do the suplexes on Marco's stunt <laughs> and that kind of thing. But then at the same time, he did all right for his age and the fact that he hasn't laced up for so long. And well, he, hit, he, hit, he hit a thing on Marco. He hit a what's it called? Um, like a suplex where he bounced his legs off the rope. Yeah, I forget I what it's called. Yeah, I forgot what. Someone's going to be upset. That I don't know what it's called, but you know, well, it's me I don't have Twitter, so they can't get me. But I like I generally I generally I like the match, but I did feel a little bit like I don't wanna have a go at Tully Blanchard for being old or anything, but I'm a bit like why are they inserting him into it? Like How dare was, he get old. Yeah. I know, it's just but it did the feel strange, of it. It did just feel like a strange insult insert in a way. But I don't know, I think it just about worked. Uh, oh, it definitely I, worked. I, you know, I, I think the match was definitely good. Like everyone in the match did pretty well. Especially full of some full of some fantastic spots. Yeah. I think Luch, they, was it they still call in Dax Dax the Axe because they haven't apparently listened to the podcast and started calling him Hatchet Dax, which is clearly better. But yeah. you know, <laughs> was that was that when we talked about that when you were on the podcast? Last? Yeah, I was like, yeah. he should be called Hatchet Dax Harwood. It's a better name. And <laughs> I mentioned that Dax the Axe is actually I, an established indie wrestler. Yeah, I also tw- I also um sent that to him on Instagram. <laughs> a message so him Hatchet saying da- he, he, said, you should be it? called Hatchet Dax not Dax the Axe it's better and he didn't read it so <laughs> but yeah but yeah no, I like the match generally speaking I do think I did still not think Tully was great but I don't know he can still hang a little and it, it was fun and everyone else in the match was He's great he been so, in the yeah. ring for over 30 years <laughs> yeah I know right so that was pretty impressive you know but yeah um, yeah no, um, I I thought this match was full of this. this I love this match. I thought it was full of some great spots. Uh, Luchasaurus hit a double German suplex, and one of one of FTR was holding the other of FTR around the waist, and he hits four hundred and seventy pounds combined, apparently, according to the commentary team. Um, so that was something. Um, there was a really nice kind of Rana into a kind of body slam um, from I think Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus. Uh, yeah, lovely tag moves. Um, yeah, uh, there was a there was a point where Marco Stunt did a kind of frog splash onto, I want to say it was Cash while he was bridging. He'd just he'd done a pin with a bridge, and uh, Marco splashes into the yeah, ring. Yeah. And, like looked brutal. That looked brutal. Yeah, I think um, he did a I think he did a tiger suplex or a dragon suplex into a pin. Yeah. It was it was Cash. Yeah, um, Patrick, thoughts on this? much not that much to add uh, i also liked it like in general it was really good it was really also a little bit like with the um shack match a little bit concerned what will be the outcome of it like how uh how, how will tully blanchard look in the ring and everything you know but then in the end they, they just also did it properly using marco stun for it uh if they're showing bigger or he can show, uh, show bigger moves um yeah, and also the combinations you just mentioned, or what you mentioned also, that was that was just really good, really uh, above my expectations because I didn't have any <laughs> for that. I was like, okay, how can somebody be who hasn't been in the ring for 31 years and is just old now? Um, but yeah, in general, like, it, and it was full of surprises. Like, I cannot add a lot to it. I can just say the outcome of the match it was a surprise. I uh, was also happy that it was like a like a dirty finish. With this yeah. interruption, uh, that's just great for the team. You know, you, you know that they can win a match without this dirty 
deed stuff like coming well, in between but it's just we'll, nice we'll talk about the finish afterwards because it included a, a medium large return um but i do actually as much as i praise this match and it was actually my match of the night sorry spoiler alert for later um i did have one glaring problem with it and that was that okay so jungle boy i believe it was started against uh dax i think it was jungle boy and dax was the ones who started out then shortly after they started the match, Jungle Boy exits the ring and puts the what's his submission called the uh, the something trap the trap help me out help me out here snare trap snare trap he puts the uh, snare trap on Cash uh, on the outside and Cash taps almost immediately when he's completely fresh like I mean obviously he, obviously the tap doesn't count because he's outside the ring but. He's he's it's the first movie he's had put on him, and this this guy who's uh, established kind of big deal in tag team wrestling is tapping with immediately the first tag movie gets put on him. That was a really weird choice for me. Um, it made him look incredibly weak. I don't know about what you thought about that or whether you picked up on that and noticed it at all. I mean, I noticed him tapping early, like straight away, and I was like, ah, oh, it doesn't count because it's so early because he's outside. But I didn't. I guess I didn't think of it in that way. But uh, I think that's a fair. Got a question: The fact that if he was in the ring, that would be match over. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Because um, I mean, I mean, they're tapping outside the ring. That, I think they're that... trying to sell the move. Then like they're just maybe trying too hard to sell. Yeah, the because move. he put, because he already put it on. He he launched straight into it and put it on and um, on Dax shortly before that. So they're yeah. they're um, I think they are trying to like make out. Yeah, Jungle Boy has the submission finished. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I guess it's I guess it's like that. I don't know. There were definitely matches with uh, Chris uh, Benoit, uh, who shall not be named, where he, where there was like, oh, if he gets the crossface on you straight away, that's uh, over. Do you think they're trying to, to turn it into a crossface of this generation or something like that? Maybe. Um, yeah. Speaking of uh, Jungle speaking Boy, speaking of Hall of Famer, no. <laughs> they said some Hall of Fame worthy material is coming. I don't think he's the one coming back, <laughs> signing a contract somehow. Um, no, um, they came Jungle. Jurassic Express came out to Jungle Boy's music, um, which we thought we we called out that they were just reserving that for Jungle Boy, but it seems like they are using it for Jungle Boy and Jurassic Express as an entire team now. Um, I wanted to get your thoughts on that, Patrick. I first thought it was weird. Um, like when when did we talk about? Like two weeks ago was it? I think already. It was to two weeks ago already. I think or three weeks. I don't know when when they came out first and we talked yeah. about that. If they just using it now to build up uh, Jungle Boy more or better mm, as a singles wrestler. And now it's, it's. I don't know if, if it fits the, the group then itself. Like I, I yeah. love that it's just for Jungle Boy because then he gets his own identity. JR calls him Jack Perry. And that's, you know it, like he has his own identity, but now mixing it up with the group again, it's it's a little weird. I don't know. I like the other one also because of the dinosaur growl in it. and Yeah, and it, it sounds yeah. a bit like Jurassic Park music as well. Yeah, right. Mm. So it kind of like, you know, it, it fit with the, the name because it's Jurassic Express, you know what I mean? Whereas it's not Jungle Express, you know what I mean? So, um, so also, My other thought on that, though, was that because they came into that music, we were treated to Austin Gunn singing it again. Oh, uh, it's, it's... Oh, God. Between... Between them several times, it, sorry for interrupting, but it was several times. It is so many. Really them, annoying. Between them using it for his, I was so psyched when they got when they secured the rights to this music. So psyched. Between them using it as a team theme for Jurassic Express rather than just Jungle Boy and fucking Austin Gunn. We need to talk about Austin. <laughs> we, this guy 
something, someone must stop Aston Gunn. Like, something must be done. There's a point. I can't take it anymore. It's, I just, oh, I just, I'm not, I don't like it. I don't like it. Make it stop. Yeah, me um, neither. I also, like, I really did not like in the first match when he interrupted there. Uh, I was like, oh, just do it. Just really. <laughs> I think that was on my cue, <laughs> but okay, very good. It's on my mic, okay. But yeah, it's it's uh, it just really the, this guy. Like we talked about it, like a few weeks before, maybe last week. It started all good. You're like, yeah, that's really nice. If somebody is just cheering up the crowd, and then now in this show again, where you have a crowd, he's just doing it all the way over. Also with the uh, that's also one thing that they just played. Uh, uh, Chris Jericho's Judas version, like standalone with it, without the MJF mixture. I think they just did it for the crowd to sing with them and yeah. uh, having this moment again, where I also got annoyed, a little bit annoyed again, because it's the same people all and all over again going all in for that song. You're like, we get it. Just yeah. do something else at one point. That no, I mean, I said it before and I'll say it again. Jungle Boy's theme or Jurassic Express's theme, I guess now, is too complex to sing as a chant. It's whoa, right? That he, he doesn't, and he doesn't nail it. He just goes whoa, you know. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. And and beyond that, when when has any theme that fans have sung along to been something that's chanted mid-match without the music? Do you know what I mean? I mean, Judas, for example, in AEW, people will keep singing after the music stops. Fair enough. But yeah. then they don't start chant. They don't start singing Judas in the middle of the match. Do you know what I mean? Do you think a good rule was maybe if it, if you don't think if a football crowd you don't think could sing it, maybe it's not a good wrestling chant. Absolutely. I mean, what's I mean? You know. there, in the UK, there is practically no difference between football fans, dart fans, and wrestling fans. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Because they'll do uh, hey hey Bailey. Any any crowd oh, can do that. Oh, you know. It's yeah. it's too it's too much and. I mean, again, in this and in the women's uh, eliminator tournament, which we really should have talked about before we started this, but we'll get into it at the end. Um, he he just he he grossly misuses the Seven Nation Army champ. <laughs> um, but anyway, uh, back onto the match. After the match, uh, or the finish of the match, even a cameraman appears out of nowhere and somehow gets somehow disrupts the match although it was kind of a bit janky how they made that clear and gets in the way and uh i think he passed did he pass off was it brass knuckles i know earlier in the match jj dylan it, it was gave a shoot he used the camera it, like uh, like a small like camera uh, oh yeah uh, yeah he gave like the camera, the camera, camera like, yeah. over yeah that was it he passed yeah he passed something like that to him yeah yeah and yeah an ftr cheated to win with the camera um, Sean Spears gets in the ring with them, reveals that he is indeed Sean Spears with a new bleach blonde do. Yeah. And he's back, which was I actually I actually popped for that because they've really convinced me he was gone. He is his profile was removed from um his profile was removed from the AEW roster page. Um he'd started posting about being just being a trainer at the Nightmare Factory and then Bish Bash Bosh he's on Dynamite yeah. again. Yeah. Though his new look, I was like, he looks like the drummer from like I don't know, Thursday in 2008 or something. <laughs> Con would be flipping out if he still watched wrestling. I mean, Con. <laughs> he, he doesn't actually still watch it. He hasn't watched it in two months. Does he not even watch ICW anymore? Is ICW making shows? No, yeah, fine, well. Uh. Progress, isn't there? Crazy. Does he watch that? Uh, maybe he does. Who knows? <laughs> Who knows? This, this, will, this is how we know he doesn't listen to the podcast as well, because he's not going to call us out on this. So. No, he's not. What a sure. dick Connor is. 
Yeah. Absolute bastard. Worst I prefer I prefer Celtic to Rangers. There we go. <laughs> Any closing thoughts on this match, guys? Um, I like the reveal that um, Sean Spears is back. Yeah. And now also like the, that in the ring when they were all together, like he was with FTR actually and with Tully Blanchard. And they had uh, J.J. Dillon there. And then Arn Anderson peeked out of the of the entranceway and they just showed the four fingers for the four horsemen. Yeah. And then you're like, okay, will there be a revival? And will there be maybe that... Because he's with Cody, and they just need clearly a fourth wrestler, and that, that Cody might join them. Although, of course, yes, then might my family, but you know, well, like, there might be a connection. He could join the Blanchard family. <laughs> Arn was out there scouting, and what I liked is that all the others were still maintaining that okay, he, he'd be wary about him because he is our enemy. Do you know what I mean? Even though, like you say, something might happen, but at this point in time, they're still rivals. They don't like him, blah, 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 and all the others. But, but J.J. Dillon, who clearly doesn't watch the project product, was like, hey, it's Arn Anderson! And had like a massive smile yeah. on his face and was clapping at him and stuff like that. The, I think he did the four back, J.J. Dillon. Yeah, yeah, and he was clapping He was yeah. clapping at him like, hey, it's Arn Anderson. Like, so basically, <laughs> basically, J.J. Dillon did his own private MSG incident. <laughs> like, well, J.J. Dillon as well, like... He's, he's so old school. He kind of ad-libbed past Tony Tony Schiavone when he clearly wasn't supposed to. When all the others clearly made their way like um, out out of camera, and then JJ Dillon just stops at the top of the ramp and starts bantering with Tony like like. Yeah, um, then, t- then Tony said, "You don't get paid extra for saying that." Yeah, it was so quick. He was so quick. I was like, "Fucking right, Tony." I was like, slam dunked him. It was like quick as a snap. It was brilliant. Which actually leads us perfectly into unless you guys have any final thoughts I think we've covered that match like we all said nothing to add we liked it that leads us straight into Tony Schiavone interviewing Paul White um, it's so weird seeing seeing Big Show come out I'm still not it's like it's like seeing a lion in Grimsby do you know what I mean just walking <laughs> around <laughs> um, I don't know why Grimsby because uh, it's a boring place with no lions uh. <laughs> yeah well, I would have said like somewhere I in like grew up near Grimsby, so. Uh... Oh, oh, sorry, sorry. <laughs> sorry. Just sorry. I, I grew up in Scunthorpe, which is considerably worse. So. Oh, God. <laughs> um, no, I would have said like London, but then it could have escaped from the zoo. Do you know what I mean? So it wouldn't be as weird as Grimsby, where I imagine they can't afford a zoo. Ah, uh, no, they've got they've got a sea life centre in Cleethorpes, though. There you go. That's just up the road. I'm surprised there is marine life in Grimsby that isn't being put into tuna tins. Well, as we're in Iceland, you know, uh, I should probably mention that there used to be, but we lost the Cod War with Iceland. <laughs> I like how you said I should probably mention. Like, that's really relevant to this It's podcast. very relevant. I should hey, probably mention on this wrestling podcast, I'm actually. Saying, I'm just Couldn't get through without War, mentioning. Without the Cod War, Grimsby would have been like the new castle of Lincolnshire. But <laughs> with that's the Cod a... War, it's the Grimsby of Lincolnshire. I have nothing to say to that. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then uh, Paul went on to say that there is Hall of Fame worthy, we keep hearing it, Hall of Fame worthy talent coming into AEW, signing a multi-year deal, I think Tony Khan confirmed online at Revolution. In his confirmation, Tony Khan said, it's true, he started with. Um, so there's some people thinking that it's Kurt Angle. Uh, of course... If I wanted people to think it wasn't somebody, the first thing I'd do would be to make sure they think it's somebody else. So it yeah, could same. very well be a red herring. Um, well, or well, it could it just be Tony Khan's, of... you know, not realizing what he's done. That's true. But like, it reminded me of, like, um, I think it was like 1994. Hulk Hogan kept saying he had an ultimate surprise. 
Yeah, to exactly. And then, and then it wasn't the Ultimate Warrior. It was just a bloke who looked like him. Like, exactly. so I wouldn't be surprised if it wasn't Kurt Angle now. Like, you know? I don't think it'll be as disappointing as that, though. I think it. Would, I think he's definitely <laughs> going to deliver on a massive star. It'd be great and if he's made... like Samoa Joe, but he's wearing Kurt Angle's clothes. <laughs> you know, something like that. I'd buy in for that. Um, they made it very clear that uh, there is there is going to be someone show up in the ladder match. Um, uh, and a surprise entrant in the ladder match and a surprise tag team entrant. We'll talk about all these actually afterwards um, and, and speculate after the show because then we can do them all in one go. But yeah, three big, well, there's going to be a surprise tag team, a surprise entrant in the ladder match who is also going to be quite big, I think, and then a uh, and then a Hall of Fame worthy talent signing on. They're very, being very vague about it. Could be a commentator, could be a, could be a wrestler, could be both. So we'll see. Next up was Nyla Rose versus Rhea Mizunami in the finals of the Women's Eliminator Tournament to face Hikaru Shida at Revolution. Um, yeah, uh, I was reminded, as I'm sure you guys were, that Rhea Mizunami was at Double or Nothing, AEW's inaugural show. Um, and I think they kind of knew that people had forgotten that because they said people might have forgotten that Rhea Mizunami. I was like, I have, I have forgotten. Thank you for the reminder. Um, thoughts on this match, Hugh? It was good. I liked it a lot. Um, yeah, I love, I love Rhea Mizunami, and I think many people love Rhea Mizunami because she's fantastic. Like, she's got everything. She's wicked. Like, she's scary. She's I am <laughs> she's terrifying, but no, she's like um like in a certain way, she's got that sort of presence, she's got an image, she's got a look. I don't know, I like everything about her. Uh, she performs really well, she's kinda crazy, she's kinda silly. It's brilliant and like I thought just the match was great, like it was just really good. And I like I'm not a big fan of Nala Rose as a performer, to be honest with you. But uh I think she did good. I think it, generally both of them did a good job. Uh, this was, I would, you know, I'll say this is this was the least rusty that Nyla Rose has seen since she came mm. back. She looks mm. like old Nyla Rose now, and that's true. That's not necessarily a compliment because I never rated <laughs> no, her the highest. A lot of people don't like old Nyla Rose. Yeah, <laughs> but, yeah. but she's back to pre-pandemic Nyla Rose quality. I think whether thing, whether that's yeah. very quality to you or not. Do you know what I mean? I think a lot of people are of the opinion that she's a bad wrestler. I, d- I don't even know if I'd go that far, but I do think she is often outshined by the other female talent. Uh, some people may disagree, but I think she often, they just seem better wrestlers. And I think that's still true with Mizunami because Mizunami is quite good. But I like, I don't think she did a bad match. And I thought it was a great match. Uh, I mean, Vicky Guerrero annoyed the fuck out of me, but that's the point. <laughs> but other than that, it was really good. You know. But I mean, she, she, she must have some athleticism back because she went for a cent. She missed it, but she went for a cent on, um, yeah. and you know, got some height on it. So, um, yeah. Uh, no, I, 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 but I, I think it was, you know, I, I think generally this uh, elimination tournament's been pretty good to watch, and it was yeah. a good like uh, final match. And I mean, yeah. I completely, I completely mispredicted the final match. I said the final match would be Thunder Rosa versus um, Yuka Zakazaki, and it was their opponents against each other. Yeah. Uh, Nyla Rose versus Rio Mizunami. I will say, I and predicted I, up, I would up until that point. I would have a lot harder for that match, to be fair, because I love Yuka Zakazaki and I love Thunder Rosa. <laughs> but I, um, I still think this was a good match. It was a good ending, and yeah, so yeah. I, as I say, I um. 
yeah, I mean, I think I think everybody thought Yuka Sakazaki because she's actually contracted to AEW. Do you know what I mean? So I, I think Rhea Mizunami took a lot of people by surprise. Um, yeah, uh, a few facts about this match uh, that they mentioned during the match. It was well, not just this match, but the tournament. Her uh, Japanese was it the Japanese semis or the finals when she faced Aja Kong? I think it was the semis. Um, Rhea Mizunami. It was her first ever victory over Aja Kong. Um, when they met each other a lot so that probably should have I mean if we'd known that it probably would have kind of been more of a hint that she w- she was going all the way do you know what I mean because they've they've had matches before she'd never beaten her and she did so and this was their first ever singles match because Nyla Rose obviously used to wrestle in Japan it was Rhea Mizunami and Nyla Rose's first ever singles match they have faced each other in a six women tag before um, where Nyla's team was victorious over Rio's team which also included Hikaru Shida um yeah before we go on to the finish and the implications for revolution what were your thoughts on the match patrick quality um yeah first of all like like you said also we we both said on the podcast we completely predicted a, a completely different final for the tournament uh we both i think also like also the three of us together with jack were not very happy that nyla rose made it this far already with being not very present in the last months in neither in the ring nor on tv uh, but now in the end, like uh, facing Rio uh, Mizunami, um, I can see that made sense now because she's the perfect fit or they're both the perfect fit for each other in the ring. Um, I think Rio made her look a little better in the end again. So if she has good opponents, she's also uh, really able to, to showcase uh, something. Um, she did like the, her, her fi- I don't know if it's a finisher or trademark move um, again. Yeah, the leg drop, like where, uh, yeah, I, I just don't like that move again when I saw that. It's just really unrealistic. Uh, yeah. Rhea Mizunami's, this is her, her leg drop on the on the apron, you mean? No, no, Nyla No, no, Nyla Rose's Nyla knee Rose's. drop. Oh, okay. yeah, they, right. See, they Nyla both Rose's have guillotine. They have both have yeah. guillotine drops. But Rhea so. Mizunami one, uh, Mizunami's one is way more, way better. Uh, yeah. I think. Th- wait, wait, do you mean the knee drop? The yeah, he means a knee drop. Yeah, knee drop. Yeah, the knee drop. Yeah. Yeah. The knee drop. I thought it was a leg drop, knee drop. No, the knee drop. Um, yeah. And like I said to you before, I think that's the first match since the last Hulk Hogan match I saw where a uh, leg drop uh, finished the match. But um, no, it was it was really good. And also the guillotine leg drop. Uh, like she showed it outside uh, of the ring, like at the, at the apron, um, also with this uh, inside guillotine leg drop a little bit, where Nyla Rose head was laying on the on the ring apron that was that was really nice because that looked quite like a like a big impact um i liked also the small comedic segments in there like uh, the especially with the chops the rope well yeah she, right they, well the chops and the chopping has, the chopping was also very very good well, as so. they put it um satoshi kojima-esque chops uh a new japan wrestler who i watched a match of um quite recently but yeah um I think Excalibur was probably the one that phrased it like that. And then obviously the uh, right after that, she did the whole miming rope pulling thing in the ring. I, um, I'll tell you what I did like. One really, really good bit of kind of ring awareness and uh, kind of, I don't know, like match flow 
storytelling, if you will, I don't know, ring awareness. Let's go with ring awareness. Um, Nyla Rose is out of the ring and made the count, the 10 count, rolls in on the nine. But before she even rolled in, like a few seconds before she rolled in, Rhea Mizunami goes up to the top rope because she knows where Nyla Rose is going to come in. Um, I really like that. I thought that was a really nice touch. Uh, that she, you know, Nyla Rose only had one way of getting in the ring and that was rolling at this one point so she was ready and waiting on the top rope which you don't see that a lot um, I just thought that was a nice nice little touch let's talk about after the match uh, Hikaru Shida is very, clearly very happy for Rhea Mizunami and uh, comes in the ring to present her with a trophy um, I think this bit confused the fuck out of the American commentators because they were smiling throughout and they and they held onto each other's wrists, but they did that very Japanese thing of trading forearms. And as I say, they were smiling. It was very much a, a test of strength, challenging each other kind of banter thing, if you will. But uh, I think Jr. especially saw it as like a, a heel turn. Do you know what I mean? Like when it happens, oh, what, what, what's going? <laughs> like it, it confused the heck out of them. Um, not the first time that Japanese wrestling has confused the heck out of Jr. on the job. <laughs> I will add, but. Um, yeah, he, I don't think he really got it to begin with. Um, but I don't know, I assume it probably confused quite a I'm few people. I have a personal theory of JR where he's not quite as bad as Vince McMahon and his separation from wrestling reality. But he spent enough time in the Fed where he's a bit like... Indoctrinated. Is that allowed? <laughs> you know, yeah. he spent a long time being like, is that how, what? Is, no, I, I, do, I, I agree. On a serious note, I do think he's got a baseline for wrestling and wrestling standards yeah. and that's very WWE-centric. Do you know what I, I mean? like yeah, and he was a referee in WCW back when it was Jim Crockett, I think. And then he became an announcer. I think maybe he just is sort of indoctrinated to a certain style to an extent. Yeah. But, yeah. but still, uh, you know, I I really like that kind of change of exchange of forearms. That's probably because I love Japanese wrestling and that's yeah. just the thing they do when they're trying to show off. You know? Show off and yeah. see who's tougher. Yeah, no. It, yeah. It, it, it's like when they it's... do the chops and they make each other's chest bleed. Yeah. It wasn't quite well, as harsh as that, but you know. I mean, Walter does that though <laughs> as well. Um, it, yeah, it, it was. Uh, it, I mean, this very short segment at the end did get me excited for a Joshi match at Revolution. But big but, it's AEW again. It's AEW's big thing. I, I, the one upside to Nyla Rose winning this match would have been that they have a history, and it would have been a trilogy, as they pointed out twice in the match, probably teasing it. Do you know what I mean? So so that you get the, the quote-unquote unexpected finish. Um, this is all we have to go on for a world title match that Hikaru Shida very well may lose because she's had it for so long and there's been such a big build-up to who's going to challenge her. Do you know what I mean? That we have now possibly a, a, a title-changing match at a pay-per-view the, a big pay-per-view, one of their big four, I mean, because the smaller ones are just little events, do you know what I mean? One of their big pay-per-views that has a lot of expectation on it after last year. Um, and and there is, there's no, at least to an American audience, or uh, sorry, a Western audience, if you will, there is no back, background here, do you know what I mean? There's absolutely no story here. Um, it's, it's typical AEW booking again, isn't it, Patrick? Perhaps a Western bias podcast audience. Um... <laughs> That's weird, weird that I said Patrick and uh, Hugh's voice came out of Patrick's mouth plugging his podcast. Um, try that again. It's typical AEW booking, isn't it, Patrick? Yeah, but yeah, that's true. That's that's very well pointed out. It's um, the problem here is also they're missing on storytelling completely. Like this is what goes through all the women's division now. They are really lacking of st storytelling or 
creating any stars you know if if they really would have like uh, the third uh, uh, Nyla Rose versus Shida match they would have some history in it although I'm, I wouldn't be happy with it I wouldn't be happy history. but as I said that would be the yeah. silver lining would be that there yeah. is actually history for a promo package there or if um, Rio would have made it there, or you know, even even Thunder if, Rosa as well. Uh, they even have if Thunder Rosa because then, or Britt Baker would have made it there because they can still bring in Britt Baker, Thunder Rosa intervening the match, helping Rio with it, whatever, and bring some some investment in it. But now, I like uh, Mizunami and and Shida both, but yeah. there's like no history to it. Exactly, no build up. Like you're like, okay, that that will be just a nice match, but. There's something missing, which is important also for the for the Western or the American audience. That's the 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 entertainment a little bit behind it. Although AW says they are not entertainment, but this is missing a little bit behind it, and this makes it just just a sports match. Just in quotes, please, because I like these matches, but it's not what you're thinking of like a Western wrestling product. Yeah. Is. Um. No, I, I I completely agree. And they had so many stories they could tell there. Do you know what I mean? They had so much potential for stories there. As Jack pointed out, they had Thunder Rosa cut in a promo about how she still owes a match with Deeb and how she still owes a match with Britt Baker. Um, yeah, she's got unfinished business with Serena Deeb and Britt Baker. So they could have they they'd stacked it so that she could have faced both of them on our route to the final, but she didn't. And not even one of them. Do you know what I mean? So um, yeah, just. Just weird. I can't really... Um, like, why Why have... I mean, I get Nyla Rose... Okay, so they want to preserve Nyla Rose for future things, do you know what I mean, as a as a dominant force. So have a go over Tay Conti. I'm not happy about it because Tay Conti's on the cusp of greatness. Um, this could have been a moment against a, you know, a, a, a wrestler who's not informed. But whatever, have a go over Tay Conti. What's the logic in having a go over Britt Baker, the, the so-called face of your division? Um... If, if she's not even going to go on to win the final. Do you know what I mean? At least, ugh, I don't know. It, it, they could have had the Britt Baker versus Thunder Rosa, like the the ending the rivalry once and for all match as the American bracket final. Uh, and, and, and nothing would have changed. One of those could have gone through and then you could still have Rhea Mizunami win. At least you told some story on the way. But um, no, um, just, I don't know. Whatever, right? Yeah, that's that's the bittersweet symphony in the end of a really, 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 really great tournament. To be said, like yeah. there was no bad, bad, bad match in it. Nothing. Oh no, sure. No, everything was great, but just this outcome, you're just sitting there like, it, it, there was still more they could have done. So, the, I mean, the women's wrestling's been on point this year for sure. It's just yeah, right. You know, just uh, like you say, a bit a slightly bit of taste left in the mouth. Yeah, completely. Uh, next up, we had uh, an interview with Sting, I believe. Yeah from uh, Tony Schiavone um, threatened to be another a return to Sting's boring interviews but Ricky Starks came out and kind of addressed the fan criticism and said um, you know last week you actually you, you actually showed the old Sting coming back do you know what I mean I was happy to see the old Sting coming back after you basically saying what the fans have been thinking that you've been doing nothing you lost your touch do you know what I mean you haven't really done anything and then um, kind of vocalised that uh, then it all kicked off, and members of Team Taz and Darby Allen got involved. Um, thoughts on this segment? I mean, it's a step up from his old nothing interviews, but well, I like I liked him beating the crap out of Ricky Starks. I thought that was fun. I don't like Ricky Starks, so there you go. That's you don't like Ricky Starks? No, well, like he's good at being a heel, so I don't like him for all the reasons I'm meant to not like him for. You know, <laughs> I don't think I've ever no- mentioned this on the podcast, but me and Jack have said it amongst ourselves. Uh-huh. Rick, Ricky Starks looks like the situation from Jersey Shore and 
That's exactly uh, what it looks like. And that's why he he looks like the situation of Jersey Shore. And Brian Cage is a spitting image of Ronnie from Jersey Shore. (laughs) Oh, I don't know who Ronnie is. Only another situation, but fair enough. Google Google Jersey Shore Ronnie right now. Jersey Shore Ronnie. I'm Googling it now. But like, I I actually thought he's a beast as well. So it makes sense. He's like that doesn't sort of make sense. Okay, Jersey Shore Ronnie. But I do think like generally that was actually quite a good section. Like a good segment. Uh, considering everything that's come before it has been a... That's what I mean, he's, a, set, the, he's set the bar quite low. Yeah, exactly. So everything that's come before it's not been that interesting. Uh, they also picked up the pace a little. I remember... Because it's like Sting quits him in the Scorpion Deathlock. Uh, Taz Jr., or whatever he's called, comes in and puts him in a... <laughs> I completely forgot Hook was in that segment. I remember Powerhouse. Yeah, Hook there, puts but... him in like a sleeper hold. Not a Taz mission, but a sleeper hold. And then I think that's when Darby's music hit. And he didn't do like a theatrical entrance. He just kind of ran in and went, oh, this, this was another one of the and just, I thought just, that was just a great increase in like pace, you know? Well, I just, I think it was a necessary increase in pace because just remembered it now that, um, uh, he, I see you guys nodding. Yeah, he totally looks like Brian Cage. He looks a <laughs> bit like Wardlow as well, in a way. Because <laughs> he's, he's massive as well. Wardlow like... to him. <laughs> um, but no, especially ones where he's younger and, and, uh, drunk. You can see he looks a lot like Brian Cage. Um, no, uh, yeah, I think this was one of the segments that got rushed because, I don't know, it, the music was playing, as you say, and he came and cleaned up and then they were all on the on the top and the music was still... It was just, I just think this was another one of the segments they Maybe, rushed actually. for time constraints. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if it, if it had a positive, you know, byproduct of, of you liking the ramping up in pace, then so be it. But I do think they might have ramped it up because of necessity rather than... You know, um, I just think story. I don't know. I just think either they gave themselves too long to build them this up, or they they overestimated how much we'd enjoy the same thing happening every week. Essentially, I don't know what it is. But like, like, you know, I felt Sorry. like there was a certain kind of. It was quite good this week. I did quite enjoy it. Patrick, did this segment do anything for you in terms of you know one last gasp at getting you invested in this story before the pay per view match? And I have to say a little bit, definitely way, way, way more than all the other segments. So this is also one of the segments again where I'm like, finally, they're doing something. So you can really feel that uh, the debut of Sting was maybe a little too early. Um, yeah, not not even though at the pay-per-view it was the right stage, but building the storyline and everything was maybe a little too early. They should have done something else in between. Maybe it should not have shown him on TV start this build up a little later because it's now really three months almost since we're looking at this thing building up super slow really 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 slow uh, i think i've never seen a slower build up ever um but now yeah like in the end now they're they're cashing in a little bit on it showing something it's just also of course it's it's the typical you saw like you know like uh uh, uh um ricky stark slapped him in the face saying you're no icon anymore slapped him and then he got over him and then the other came out and then uh, Alan came out to do the save and then you're a little staring at him no no watch it on pay-per-view so it's a typical build-up but well, couldn't have done it uh, earlier like or at, at one other point yeah, yeah yeah or video package that's also a good point mm-hmm. they're, they're saving now um 
uh, Kenny Omega and Mox, why they're not doing that with the, with them sometimes in between, just showing some video packages or so. So, you know, because we got like, uh, it's, it's, it's overdone, I would say, like we got, we got really bored of it at one point and then you're now, okay, now it's getting there, but still you have this in the back of your mind that you're like, ah, but still it has something not so good on it. Still this, this bad memory of this whole thing. I hope the match is good and it makes us forget about this really bad build up. I would say on the point of view of the video package, I agree in a way, but do you think maybe they've just realized that they don't have that much no, well, no, actual no, I, like fighting for a video package? They haven't done that much scrapping yet. I don't know, well, maybe my, it's that. Well, my point actually was they have so much content that they could actually make a video package that tells a more coherent story than it's actually been. Because um, before Sting came along... They, I mean, these people have feuded so much. I'd be perfectly happy if Darby Allen never stepped foot in the same ring as Ricky Starks or Brian Cage again. Do you know what I mean? It's, it's just, it's gone on way too long. This is, this is one of, this is like their longest rivalry and not in a good way. Do you know what I mean? Um, so, yeah, um, it's just, it's not even like Kenny and Mox where they've left each other alone for a bit and then come back to it and it's unfinished business. They, these guys have just been in a constant state of feuding for all of recent memory and nothing's really happened you know what i mean there's not been any massive payoff to it um yeah uh as i say i think they can make a i think they can make a killer video package out of this this which will kind of betray how shit it's been <laughs> you know what i mean because they you, you can make anything look good with video packages but uh which is is one of the EW definitely trends. definitely like this and also what also got like a little left behind in the back and people forgot about it that Darby is still the TNT champion so a pay-per-view yeah. without <laughs> his championship on the line just also in quotation marks to have a street fight which is a pre-produced match uh, it gives a little bit also bittersweet uh, taste to to the whole also to the title because people in the beginning they were criticizing the title for the look and then of course it was cool that Cody was defending it and it was so present for a long time and now it's gone for yeah. me so yeah. just got out of touch a bit Cody spent all that time kind of building up as a prestigious thing and then especially this is the thing as well especially he did the whole thing defending it every week which I mean some people, I know one in particular from our friend group, did not like and thought Cody was just putting himself over. I maintain he was, it was a new title and he was trying to establish it and put the title over. Do you know what I mean? Um, uh, before handing it off to someone else. Um, but one of the downsides of that, other than some people out there thinking Cody is putting himself over, one of the downsides of that is that now, with Darby Allen completely forgetting that he's TNT champion, essentially... In comparison, it makes him look like a really weak champion. Do you know what I mean? A really a, a total non-champion, um, especially not just with Cody's uh, Cody's run and his defending every week, but also with the absolute standard that he set with those matches with Brady Lee. Do you know what I mean? Um, who was also champion. So um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what you think. Yeah, maybe it, it does in a way. It kind of makes him come across as a bit of like a paper champion, I guess. You know, it does. Like he's it not actually like defending it. It just feels like it's, it feels like yeah. the TNT title is an afterthought now. Do you know what I mean? Now he's now he's had programs all of Team Team Taz over it, and yet they're still not giving up on this rivalry. So now you know the title isn't even a factor anymore. That led us into ten from the Dark Order. Press ten Vance versus Max Caster for a spot in the match that will uh, determine the challenge of four Darby Allen's TNT title. 
Um, Scorpio Sky out on commentary for this. I thought he was acting a bit weird. He was seemed to be working heel, Scorpio Sky, which was a bit strange to me, the way he was talking. Um, and uh, Minus One also came out with... Uh, not Minus One, Negative One, sorry. I made the exact same mistake JR made. He called him Minus One and then got corrected. Um, negative One came out with... Uh, with ten. I feel a bit bad saying it, but I think it's a bit weird now having a negative one coming out as a manager. I, I don't know how I don't yeah. know how I feel about it. Also, later how you're standing just in the background, just standing and directing the people. I don't know. It, it's it's fun with the kid there, and also for the kid itself. It's also funny to see, but in the end, you're just missing a leader, you know. And then this is to more like a comedic segment now. And uh, Brody was bringing in, so his dad was bringing in this making it a little serious more so i i don't mind him being there but if they would put him in some context you know of course he's a kid he cannot show up every week scheduled for it working for it like children labor or so where you have to be very careful with but they should maybe at one point um put him into the group or into the story or for some reason in it so otherwise it feels just like weird a little bit yeah no it's probably quite weird for new viewers as well coming in and without any context of it and there's a shirtless eight-year-old in a gimp mask, you know? <laughs> yeah, I guess there's, <laughs> there's also the thing that, like, essentially Evil Uno is the leader. Yeah, no. but there, there is no leader but right now, like, isn't it? It's, but, it's yeah, lacking some no direction. Now, and Evil Uno was the leader than he wasn't because there was the higher power guy, you know, the exalted one. Which made sense. I don't have a problem with that. But now it's like, well, there's n to me, the de facto obvious leader would be Evil Uno, who already was the leader. Mm, kind of like, but they're kind of yeah. doing their own... I don't know. You know, he, I mean, like you say, he's just a kid and there's a reason to have him there, but it, uh, it is sort of wearing thin, I think. Kind of like how Carl Anderson kind of defaulted back to being leader of the Bullet Club briefly during uh, transitional periods and reigns. Um, speaking of the Bullet Club, Bullet Club and... I don't know, maybe up there with Undisputed Era are, um, you know, two of the most over-factions in the last kind of decade. Um, what do they have in common? You know, it's very clear who their leader is. Do you know what I mean? Uh, well, I say that, but it's not particularly clear right now whether it, whether Evil is a leader of the Bullet Club or whether it's JY or whether he's their co-leaders or whether he's, yeah. So I've kind of, I've kind of immediately contradicted myself there. But no, uh, for the most part, they've been very clear about their leaders. Um... And right now, I couldn't tell you who the leader of Dark Order is, and that's not a particularly good thing. Maybe they're holding that spot, waiting for Hangman to join them. But, I mean, at least have a Carl Anderson. And I think uh, I think Evil Uno is the Carl Anderson of this group, and it should just default to him. Uh, and he should be on the mic a little bit more in the meantime. If anything, it kind of seems like Negative One's a leader with the way he's directing people yeah, and no. coming out as a manager of people. And... I think that's kind of what they're going for, but then I'm a bit like... but. Uh, that's gonna eventually run out of effectiveness, and that, they, they you know, should do that. Already has done, you know. Like, I don't, I don't know, think they should. I don't think a child was, should be the was, manager, the leader of a exactly. faction. Exactly. Unless it's like the Peter Pan faction or something, you know. <laughs> kind of is with John Silver. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's a grown man, <laughs> twenty-eight years old. Sorry, uh, go on. I, I was gonna say with the Bullet Club though, like Carl Anderson was officially he was the underboss, right? That was his title. No, he was no, no, the underboss, Bad Luck Farley's. Um, oh, that was it. Title. Okay, that yeah, no, okay, that makes more sense. I was gonna say. No, Carl Anderson was just legit leader for like a very short amount of time. Yeah, um, the period between Kenny between, and AJ, or no, Kenny, or it might it might have been it might have been um, Devin AJ and, and Devin. AJ, maybe. yeah, that's a, yeah. But I do yeah. think it's 
like it's interesting because the the, the dark no it was it was sorry to cut you off it was Devitt and aj because um aj when aj got kicked out it transferred well he for one thing aj and the good brothers left around the same time um the bullet club around the same time and also the boys for a long time yeah the the rain um the leader of the bullet club transferred immediately because AJ Styles was up on the rope celebrating something. And then I think it was at new beginning and then Kenny Omega came up behind him and caught him in the one winged angel. And that was him uh, okay. deposing okay. AJ Styles and also becoming leader of the bullet club at the same time. Do you know what I mean? So that's so. before I watched NJPW in any kind of serious manner. Oh, but okay. Good I, shit, man. Yeah, no, it sounds like it. Like I, I've, I have gone back and watched like Devitt and Taguchi matches, and they're fantastic. To be, but, um, to be fair, I ne- no, to be fair, I never watched Devitt in um, in New Japan Pro Wrestling. I got into it at I I, I was aware of him because there was people yeah. online posting his body painting, like this is really cool shit. Um, but uh, I I didn't get into it until Wrestle Kingdom Nine, yeah, which okay, was yeah. when Jeff Jarrett was putting it on in the states through his pyramid scheme. Global yeah, Force see, I Wrestling. Didn't into, I didn't get into it. Yeah, Global Force, the pyramid scheme that pretends to be a wrestling company. Yeah, but no, I, I didn't really get into it till we watched it together, which was twelve. So, WrestleMania twelve. Anyway, uh, before um, Patrick was my friend, so me and you used to, me and you could watch wrestling together. But ah, uh, I missed that. That'll never happen again. I missed those times. But one could be forgiven for thinking that this, uh, that we're not talking about a ten versus Max Caster match, Patrick. Thoughts on this match, Preston Vance versus Match Caster? I have to be honest, I missed the beginning of it a bit because I was yeah, like now match. when I came in <laughs> on the toilet. And um, yeah, but then the rest I saw of it, it was okay, some kind of way. I, yeah. It was I just I, okay. I think I can sum up bad. what you're feeling. It was yeah. the fundamentals, it was sound, there was no, it wasn't a sloppy match. What I would say is this was a typical sports entertainment star match. That's what I yeah, found. I found maybe. I found yeah. I found that I found that it was very neat and clean, but there wasn't particularly any any serious wrestling going on. Do you know what I mean? Which is what I'm which I, what I expect from a good average WWE match, a match between the Miz and Baron Corbin, I don't know. Bobby Lashley, maybe, maybe not Baron. <laughs> maybe not Baron. Oh God, um, we'll talk about that after the show. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, very sports entertainment for me. Um, not much to talk about it really uh, until Jack Evans came out. Did he come out from under the ring or something? Anyway, he uh, yeah, he hit yeah. uh, he hit ten with a boombox. Initially, I was quite confused, and then it became apparent that uh, it wasn't so much an alliance with Max Caster he was after, and the acclaimed it was. Matt Hardy paying off his boys to uh, to take out members of the Dark Order and screw them over and be a thorn in their side. Um, when that happened, I quite liked it, to be honest. Um, I quite liked that as a as a move. Uh, what are your thoughts on that finish and also Preston Vance? Not Preston Vance, sorry, Max Caster going into the ladder match. The generally the match, I enjoyed it, it but it, like you say, there was not that much to say about it. Uh, like. But yeah, it was good. Um, I like, I do like the kind of the bounty hunter angle they put on it at the end. I thought that was quite fun. Yeah, of having this idea. Sorry that like uh, the Matt is kind of gonna try and take apart the support structure behind Hangman. Well, you should like Jack Evans because he has your exact hairstyle at a complete yeah. hairline. Oh no, uh, I, I've always <laughs> liked Jack Evans. Yeah. 
<laughs> Jack Evans had one of the best, you know, the nunchucks match in uh, Lucha Underground is a really good match. <laughs> Obviously, we have uh, we have no no video on our podcast, but if but you could literally take Hugh's hair, put it on Jack Evans, and mm. no one would notice the difference. I wish I was as thin as Jack Evans and looked as much like a heroin addict. But uh, <laughs> you're you're well on your way. Oh, I, used, I, used to look, I used to basically look like Jack Evans. Like I was like so skinny. Oh, the good old days. But no, I I, I see some I stuff laying am... around you in the corners. But yeah, that's another thing for another podcast. <laughs> but I am actually a big fan. Actually, I love I love the hybrid too as well. I, I've always liked Dan Helico. Uh, I like that his gear is not shit anymore. But <laughs> no, I, I'm kind of digging this whole big money. Matt is coming after the Dark Order because they're protecting like Hangman. It's got this... I don't know. It's, it's sort of... In a way, it's sort of... Deeper storytelling than I'm used to. Like so, this idea of going... He's like... It's like he's Lex Luthor or something. Or... I don't know. Or he, he's Moriarty. He's like, hey, I've got a plan. Yeah. <laughs> yeah well, we, we've, we've talked about Matt Hardy's gimmick changes and stuff. And, and the, the end of Broken Matt. I actually read an interview with him. Uh, where he said the reason he switched to Big Money Matt. And changed his gimmick and dropped Broken Matt Hardy at least for the time being, is because of no crowds. Because he thought that Broken Matt wasn't working without a crowd. And it was a very... Delete. <laughs> it was it, it was a very fat... Yeah. It was a very fan interactive gimmick, was his opinion on the matter. That makes um, sense, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Is, yeah. yeah. I, I somewhat agree with him. I also... I mean, I'll tell you why I somewhat agree with him. Because... Do you remember when he was... Um, oh, they had They had like a... They had like a... It, uh, to be fair, this was before they had any crowd. It was in like week one or week two of the week two. It would have been because he debuted week one, but week two of the pandemic, and they had no crowd, mm. not even wrestlers around the ring. And him and Jericho had a really weird. Yeah, where he kept saying delete. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they had a really weird kind of promo off in the ring, where it was yeah, it was bizarre. So I mean, maybe that was stuck in his head that like oh, yeah, this doesn't work without a crowd. But there was a sort of crowd, so I don't know. Um, but I but, also yeah. I did find it quite amusing that he comes out and he gives <laughs> he gives Jack Evans an envelope that just says forty two thousand dollars Jack <laughs> Evans on it. <laughs> it did not look thick enough to be forty two thousand dollars in there. Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, he might as well have given him a sack that said that had a dollar sign on it. <laughs> like, J- Jack Evans just opens it up and it's got a Target coupon in or something. Yeah. <laughs> Matt Slows jogging away with his little hobble. <laughs> Like out of the Alex Marvez chasing him. Um, no, uh, it's a voucher for forty-two thousand worth of stock in Matt Hardy Productions. <laughs> um, no, I, I, uh, I, I kind of disagree with him in a sense because surely, if anything, any gimmick is built for cinematic segments and cinematic matches. Do you know what I mean? There's, they could have done a lot with it over COVID with cinematic segments and kept, and kept going with it I don't think it was I don't think it was spent I think he could have kept going with it but um, but no Big Money Matt growing on me rolls off the tongue so yeah me too I also like that segment a lot like they're, they're building some story now and clearly uh, putting Hangman now in the position with uh, with the Dark Order also the outcome of the match on, on Sunday will be interesting how uh, how this will be put in place together all together and also now i just got this idea maybe they're really building it up now that hangman might be the leader the next leader of yeah. them without without wanting to to be it uh, but he's saving 
the Dark Order somehow from Matt Hardy, maybe in some way. So that would be nice. Well, they saved him, didn't they? And now Matt Hardy's going after them, so... Well, after that, we had a very quick, snappy Miro promo where um, he said, we've got to give the people what they want, and what the people want is destruction, which I thought was quite good. Um, Playing on the uh, Excalibur, you know, hug, got to give the people what they want. Uh, Then he started speaking Bulgarian. I assume it's Bulgarian. Um someone will have to translate that because I would have I would have loved to find a translator in time but I only watched the, the show today I was like oh damn if I'd watched this if I'd watched it on Thursday I watched it yesterday I might have been able to find someone on Fiverr or something to translate this or on Reddit or something but uh, and we could have had that scoop of what he actually said um, could have just Google Translate do that for us I don't know. I wasn't. I wasn't going to try and work out how every word no. he said was spelled. <laughs> like, no, no. You can just actually. Right. You can just actually have Google Translate in the Cyrillic alphabet. <laughs> like, you can actually just hold Google Translate and hold it in front of like whoever's talking, and it directly gets the words and spits out the text for you nowadays. I, I don't have any trust. In yeah, that, we we know that shit because we're living in a country which uh, language we don't speak. So that's how you arrange yourself nowadays. And we we love giving Google all our info. Just, I don't. I don't know. I. I. Yeah. Wait, I'm. I'm gonna go try that after the after the show. Um, oh, yeah, it's fun. He also also one thing about. I. I mean, it was for what it was. It was a. It was a. You know, a thirty second thing with about. Uh, you know, sixty percent of it in English. Um, for what it was, it was. I. I quite enjoyed it. Um, not much to say about it other than the fact that it was Miro appearing alone and addressing pretty much solely Orange Cassidy or something. It made me think again that this should be a one-on-one match like uh, Kip, I agree Penelope we should put and Kip Sabian out of it because he sucks I agree Kip, <laughs> Kip Sabian Penelope Ford and um, and even I'm sorry to say Chuck Taylor are kind of surplus to requirements do you know what I mean I, uh, for this match I mean maybe Chuck Taylor could come out as a manager he, because he did address Chuck a bit though didn't he he started by saying Charles I gave oh, you probably I can't remember exactly but, I mean, the fact that there was no Kip or Penelope or not even any mention of Kip and Penelope yeah. just kind of reinforces what I thought all along, that there is no reason they should for them to be there. You no, know, there isn't. <laughs> the, the, their wedding was kind of a vehicle for a storyline that could have been told without them. And after it's over, in the, you know, the week since, uh, they've tried to force them into it last time, but they barely said anything. It was Miro talking, and now they just cut them out completely, and it's just Miro's... It doesn't make I mean, any they sense. Could've, they could have literally done the same storyline without the wedding and just said that Chuck was celebrating Miro Day, aka Rusev Day <laughs> and he brought a cake oh no, Orange Cassidy came out of the cake <laughs> I think that would have been a bit on the nose to be fair, I, quite I would have loved it bro <laughs> I did like the wedding but I, uh, I I just don't think they were needed after that, um, I think it, it could have facilitated a 1v1 match between Miro and Orange Cassidy which is what we all really wanted to see and, you know, yeah. but whatever our main event of the evening, can't believe I'm saying this, but our main event of the evening was Matt Hardy and Mark Quinn versus John Silver and Hangman Page. Um, thoughts on that? I've just, I, I, I won't, I won't insert any influence. I'll just go uh, straight over to you, Patrick. What were your thoughts on this main event of the evening? First of all, it was was weird to have that as the main event because yeah, actually, right. you and me were talking like, what what is the main event now? Like <laughs> because I think we're all w- would have expected that's the Shaq match. Um, um, yeah, we were confused. <laughs> but uh, in the end, it was also like like the match before. It was a fine match again. Um, 
there were like the bits in between, especially of course John Silver hugging uh, Adam Page several times, ending up hugging him or Adam Page saving him. There was there was a nice like this this small bits of storytelling in it. Also that in the end uh, Matt Hardy uh, ran away and didn't interrupt after uh, Hangman uh, shot the buckshot lariat against uh, Mark Quinn. He didn't interrupt or anything. He just just jumped off the apron and was like intimidated by him. Um, yeah that was that was that was interesting um but in the end like we were talking about that later you know why he did that now uh but like for the match itself it, it was like before i can just, just say it on point it was okay it was nothing special just both of them being being there just for, for their match themselves which we had revolution and uh yeah that was my outcome of it more interesting was what happening uh behind, after the match well the the match started with about 12 minutes left of the show. So I was like, well, this is going to have implications. And, it, you know, this is, this is poor time management and something is going to get rushed. And it did, um, which we'll talk about afterwards. But, um, yeah, I felt there was, there was some nice little kind of storytelling points that they hit on in this with uh, Paige was very considerate not to accidentally clothesline Silver. And they kind of drove that home and, especially, and like, reinforced it on commentary. Um, one thing I did find weird was that Silver tagged himself in and Paige looked a little bit indignant at one point, like something was going to happen with that, but it didn't. Um, so I don't know what that was about. Um, Mark Quen got yeeted a lot in this match. <laughs> like, there was two back body drops, like, in quick succession, one from uh, from both of his opponents. Um, and uh, then I think he got uh, he got fall away slammed by Hangman as well. I, 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 one thing that I thought was strange was that... Matt Hardy rolled as a tag partner. So Mark Quinn was getting counted out and Matt Hardy rolls him into the ring and then commentary acts like, acts like this is a really heelish move when really it's just kind of a smart move that people should always be doing because that makes a lot of sense in a tag match to get your, you know, to stop right. your partner from getting... Yeah, there's, there's completely within the rules. and It's not an elimination match. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, I don't think you can... I don't know. Very strange. Um, and also, while Hardy was rolling Mark Quen back in the ring. Tony Schiavone very awkwardly called him Isaiah Cassidy. So um, I thought that was a bit... Shit's racist, son. Yeah, there was a bit of a... Uh, I mean, they look distinctive enough for you to not make that mistake. I mean, come on. At one point, I thought was quite impressive was Matt Hardy went for a twist of fate that uh, Hangman kind of reversed into a back suplex. It was very nice. There was a lot of nice reversals in this match. Um, as I say, that was when Silver tagged himself in, which was a little odd. Um, but that when he came in, he went on a on an absolute absolute sesh. He uh, you know a big strike fest, very fast. Jo John Silver can can do a great hot tag. Do you know what I mean? And he comes in and he's just bouncing around and and uh, you know he transitioned from these quick strikes to then like a very quick brainbuster. I'm not sure I've ever. I mean, I've seen snap suplexes. I don't think I've ever seen a uh, a brainbuster perform that that quickly. Um, yeah. I mean, he's a great talent, isn't he, John Silver? Once again, uh, Adam Page and John Silver looked amazing together, as they do when they tag as a trio with Alex Reynolds. More of these, please. Do you know what I mean? And um, thing is, Uno and Grayson are great, are a great tag team as well. So yeah, there's um, 
you know, there's there's great. I mean, if I could see some sort of Survivor Series esque match in AEW with these guys, that would uh, that would make a make a lot of sense. Seeing them five, that would be a that'd be a treat. I think we're survival season. <laughs> we're still waiting for that uh, blood and guts. Blood and match. guts. There's yeah, have, still... a, have a blood and guts match with that's... Oh wow, that's so long ago. Uh, wow, this, uh, this will take also some time. They will wait for well, the. We crowds, thought COVID definitely. was going to be like two months. Remember that. <laughs> anyway, um, as you said towards well. A bit uh, halfway through this uh, segment, it ended with Hardy kind of chickening out and uh, not making the save. Um, but after the match, he started beating down Hangman um, with a microphone in his hand, and that is when uh, all hell kind of broke loose. Dark, I think the Dark Order came out first, but then all the tag teams that are involved in the uh, Casino Battle Royal at Revolution came out, um, and then and then it and then it quite abruptly ended the show. Um, yeah, I mean, I yeah. think you wanted to talk about what happened after the match, Patrick. If you, if you will. Uh, yeah, I I, uh, I like that uh, Matt Hardy was attacking Adam Page afterwards. It was there was there was nice because this explained the abrupt ending of him just like oh not not interrupting the finish of the match and just walking away from the ring, uh, leaving Mark Quinn alone there. Um, but yeah, then all hell broke loose, and just to remind us again of the uh, Battle Royal, which is taking place then. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, it was just fine. But it was total carnage. This I I like that. But you could also see, like you said, like they they were running out of time completely. Yeah. Um, so th this this was yeah. This is strange. It reminded me of sorry. It reminded me of All In. Like always when they're running into time problems, they're like, oh, that's the All In moment again. You know where yeah. where they had to cut. The, the main event short because Marty Skrull and Okada were just having too much fun. Um, yeah. It, um, it strangely seemed like they were running out of time all night. Not just at the end, do you know what I mean? It was like they were running out of time for the entire two hours um, right off the bat. Uh, yeah, weird finish, I thought. I thought it was a bit of a weird ending to the show. But yeah, um, yeah I mean... I, I, as I said before, I think the reason Cody and Shaq wasn't the main event is because this is a go-home show to Revolution and they've got to use a match. They've got to use a storyline that's gone on at Revolution to try and get people to buy the pay-per-view. That's the point of the ending of a go-home show. But I personally maybe would have chosen a different... different. If they, I mean, like I said, if, I, their, main, yeah. if their main event oh, yeah. stars are shielding, then, uh, then fine. But maybe end the show with the Young Bucks and um, MGF and Chris Jericho segment uh, I, I think I would have because that is a I think, I don't know I mean correct me if I'm wrong if I'm just assuming but I think more people are excited if you had to rank the the excitedness and the the in anticipation is the word for the matches of Revolution, I'm pretty sure Jericho and MGF versus um versus the Young Bucks for the tag titles would rank higher than um, than Matt Hardy versus Hangman Page for each other's salaries. Yeah, yeah, I think so too. I also, personally, it's just me, but I don't really care for many of the Battle Royale formats. Yeah. And when I have something that ends in a massive brawl like this and then they just go to credits or whatever, yeah, that kind of reinforces that to me. I kind of go... That's meaningless and boring. I don't really like that. Uh, think, that's me personally. I know a lot of people. There are people who only watch the Royal Rumble, so it's just different tastes or whatever. But I, I do get a bit bored with the 
everyone brawling in the ring kind of thing. I don't know. Yeah. It just doesn't quite work for me. See, see, Cody's Shaq first actually did make sense to me because if you're not going to have a, ma- a big match last, you have it first. Do you know what I mean? That's just how you do, and then you open the open the show strong, and then you yeah. kind of you kind of you ebb and flow throughout the night, and then you end it strong as well. And what better yeah. way to end it strong would have been than that table spot with them jumping off the um, you know, the things, and then yeah, see, that would have been great. Yeah, yeah. Loft, you know, because you don't um, need the main event to be a match if there's going to be a spot. And yeah, there was a spot, a really good spot. So. Exactly. I mean, they've they've ended they've ended shows with um, they've ended shows with uh, multiple times with Chris Jericho and or MJ. Well, mainly Chris Jericho. They've always really featured Chris Jericho, but they've they've ended them with inner circle stuff before. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Like non-match. Like inner that circle terrible stuff. Mike Tyson thing. That was the end <laughs> of the show. So yeah, and weigh-ins. They've had weigh-ins involved with Chris Jericho and. Um, and I think it was Jericho and Moxley ages ago when there were still crowds. Um, and I, th- I don't know wow. if the debate, the uh, MJF, Chris, was it MJF, Chris Jericho debate? Well, no, M- no, that was... No, it wasn't, it. It wasn't Chris Jericho and MJF, it was, was Orange it? Cassidy. Um, that was it, and he Jericho didn't really Cassidy. say anything. It was, it was, that was a weird... It was good, but it was weird. <laughs> but I'm, I'm almost positive between that and the MGF 2020 stuff that one of them, and at least one of them, ended the show um, with a with a segment that that went off the rails as as they're prone to do. But yeah, I mean that's our show. Well, that's our that's our dynamite recap. Anyway, we've still got a little bit of the show left. So, lads, what was your match of the night? Let's come to his guests first. Why don't we come to Hugh? What was your match of the night? You know what? I'm going to be controversial. I'm going to say Jade Cargill versus Red Velvet. <laughs> that was uh, not too controversial, I don't think. I am. Um, well, I'm to not be honest, gonna... I am not... calling it Jade Cargill versus Red Velvet because that is how I saw it mostly as a match. Was With some say... spots from a celebrity yeah. and Cody Rhodes. Um, yeah, yeah, exactly. And I think generally actually quite a good match, but it might just be because they haven't showed us either of them wrestling. Well, I, I think Red Velvet's been on dark, right? Jade Gargoyle's just not done anything. But Red Red Velvet's got an incredible win loss record on dark. Yeah, exactly. But uh, like genuine, uh, maybe it's not. I w- I'm not for an out there saying it's objectively the best match of the night. But for me, as going, I didn't know what it was going to be like, and it's the opening match of the night. I was like, pretty good. Lots of good spots. Lots of good wrestling. Lots of good ring work. It's decent. Uh, My- honourable mentions probably go to the Young Bucks doing those flips which isn't a match but that was good fun too <laughs> but yeah coming here tearing up the format of what we give our our match and segments to God damn that's a good point um, of the night yeah um, mine is uh, Jurassic Express versus FTR really liked it there was there was so many good combos and tag team wrestling as we've come to expect from both of these teams to be honest a um, lot yeah, of creativity a yeah. lot of uh, and Tully Blanchard, as I think you've conceded, even though you weren't expecting very much, didn't get in the way, you know, which is yeah. which is what what w- what you know. I would also yeah. say if we didn't have this match, open it up where we have this celebrity who doesn't do that much, but he's there to attract people, and these two people who they haven't shown us that much of on network TV, like if they didn't have that context, I would probably go for the for that match too, because I'm a tag guy, I like FDR, I like Jurassic Express, so you know. Patrick, match of the night. The thing is here is that I really don't have to say that much or add that much because I completely agree with you uh, that also the uh, Shaquille and Jay Cargo versus 
Cody and Red Velvet was because it was such a surprise, you know, from the other ones, like the other matches, of course, um, Nala Rose versus Ryo uh, Mitsunagi was also was also great, but I expected that somehow because you had the whole tournament laid out before, uh, FDR versus... Uh, uh, Jurassic Express, also good match, really, or no, not good match, really great match, actually. But the biggest surprise was the beginning. Um, yeah, that was my match of the night because I was just gladly surprised about everything. So even though you're admitting other matches may have been of higher quality, is your match of the night because it surprised you, even if other matches are bad? Yeah, yeah well, but, that's it. That's yeah, it. Because but like, yeah. like you say, with Mizunami oh, and, uh, Mizunami and um, Nalaroz or whatever like maybe it's just you kind of go well Mr. Nami's always been good but I don't know anything about Jade Car I don't know it's it's part of the magic of wrestling right <laughs> like, I uh I concede to democracy and uh, uh in a two to one vote Shaquille O'Neal has received a match of the night award from us I feel dirty saying it I'm going um, to Jade Cargill fuck it it's <laughs> uh <laughs> meet to red velvet is that okay good <laughs> i'm part of the dark anarchist syndicalist commune okay <laughs> which, which uh brings me on to uh, a, a platform where i can vent which i have complete uh authoritarian uh iron grip over which is my uh screamer my shocker I, there's I the Maoism it's, it's, coming in. <laughs> it's my, it's my, it's my, it's my Reba Rebel moment. I don't know whether I call it Shocker of the Week or Scream of the Week, but it's that. Uh, it's that time for what I consider to be the worst part of Dynamite. This time, the, I mean, this was a mar This Dynamite was a marked improvement from last last week, night and day. It was a good Dynamite. Last week was a bad Dynamite. Um, so I don't really have any segments or, or matches in the whole show that I considered bad. So my Shocker of the week will just be just go to AEW's time management. That was the shocker of the week, the poor time management of AEW Dynamite. Right, and and their live and their uh, live producing uh, yeah. camera recording where you miss the end of the first match. Will there will there ever be will there ever be uh, like like a shock of the week for them? I think every time there's nothing special, we can just give it to them. But we just have to wait for revolution, like how the camera and 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 direction will be there. You also have to give it to the sound engineer most weeks. Also, yeah, sound yeah. engineer also. Wow. That brings us to our last segment: less important shows. This might be the last time you ever hear my self-made jingle because I've ordered a legit one. So it's such a shame Jack's not here to hear it because he's uh, it's his favourite. But uh, Hugh, you're privileged to hear me sing my own jingle. Please, for it. <clears throat> Please less please. important shows. I actually did that. On a recording, I sent to the Fiverr musician. <laughs> so, so, so they, just if he's really good, he just samples that, puts some music under it, maybe it puts an auto tune on it to correct it a little bit, and then he's sending it back to you and charges you down on five hundred or so. Yeah, yeah, like he just he just like triple tracks it and then puts it like makes it lo-fi or something. <laughs> <laughs> she she guys, it's twenty twenty one. I think there's there's one major one to talk about. I mean, I. Uh, I have watched, I've watched a lot of wrestling. I watched. Did any? Okay, so first off, did anyone watch the? We'll get the the other one out of the way first. Did anyone watch the day one in the New Japan Cup? Not yet. Not yet. Not yet also. Go watch I'm it. planning to use um, the login you gave me to do that soon. But you can skip the tag matches. Literally, it's just two matches. There's uh, like always. Tor always do. <laughs> Tor Tori well, the tag match. Tag match with uh, the not United Kingdom. What are they called? The United Empire. It's actually quite good, but. Um, if you're going to skip it, you can skip it. The, it's Toriano versus Bad Luck Farley. The one that you don't want to sleep on, um, Hiroki Goto versus Taiji. 
Watch that. I, dope. I would never sleep on a Goto match because I think no. Hiroki Goto is um, It delivers. So. I don't want to oversell it, but it delivers. Um, seeing as no one else has seen it, we can't talk about it. Let's breeze past that and just take my recommendation. But Goto is um, good, just so everyone knows. Goto is very good. Uh, who saw what happened on Raw? I did. I always uh, watch like highlights, but I saw what happened and that they, they just actually... Yeah, flushed down the money in the bank cash-in thing. So The Miz lost in his first title defense match against Bobby Lashley. And now Bobby Lashley is the WWE champ. That's just to sum it up. And A week yeah, and a day. A week after... Uh, Hugh, Hugh, I see Hugh seems like he's learning about this for the first time. A week yeah, yeah, and a day yeah, yeah. after cashing in on Drew McIntyre. Drew McIntyre, who is apparently like this big deal and you know they want to treat well and he's he's had this historic kind of domination where he took he took it off Brock Lesnar he beat Brock Lesnar he beat Goldberg and then the Miz catches in on him and then it was it was for nothing anyway because the Miz loses it a week and a day later to Bobby Lashley what do you make of that um that okay so genuinely to to me that's not at all surprising because Roar is terrible but at the same time (laughs) I'm like I don't, I don't know. I don't also, know what needs to happen for them to remember that they used to be good ones. <laughs> also, I'll, I'll put this out there. I don't know if uh, Patrick, if you missed this, um, they did a bit where after after the Miz was champion, um, I don't know if it was on that raw. I think it might have been on the previous week's raw, the raw after Elimination Chamber. Otis found the Money in the Bank contract in his lunchbox, which means. The money in the bank contract was not in the briefcase yeah. when the Miz took right. cashed it in, which means it's an illegitimate reign, which means Bobby Lashley's reign is illegitimate, all for the sake of a gag. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah I talked about that, that last time that I saw this uh, this, oh, this okay. bit on, on the net. Yeah, but this is like, this is all coming together. If they are, so j- just thinking a little flash forwarding that now may uh, there might be um, Drew McIntyre against Bobby Lashley at WrestleMania, which yeah. is kind of a nice match when you're thinking about like both of them in the ring. Uh, but then why putting in the Miz just to have a shock, maybe to draw some attention to it, just have a little upset with the internet fans who are uh, un- unhappy with everything and then putting up his proper opponent for it. And uh, yeah, it's just like, you know, and then, and then maybe Otis cashing it and just imagine that Otis then comes out after WrestleMania cashing it in. I really like Otis, his gimmick, and so that's really lovely made, but it's just also then a little like cringy, to be honest. Like this would not, would not, it, it, it would ma- would them make lose their credibility even more? Like I don't know if they still have credibility, but they're really lacking of 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 building that in the last it's, years. It's crazy because it means Drew McIntyre is still champion. Like if they are gonna, especially especially if they commit to it and don't just make it a throwaway gag, uh, and that they can pretend never happened, and actually have Otis actually cash in with it or at least attempt to cash in with it, then everyone who's held it since Drew McIntyre until Otis is an illegitimate paper champion and they're never going to address that or the absolute fucking shitstorm that has, that has thrown into the mix. It's just, Jesus Christ, I don't know where to start with it. I don't know, you know, this is why we don't have a WWE podcast, you know what I mean? Like, because as much as we criticise AEW in their low moments, it's, the worst, I'll take the worst episode of AEW over the, uh, Dynamite over the best episode of Raw, do you know what I mean? Um, there is actually a thing i got to say is like, because like obviously I'm just learning about this and it sounds dumb as fuck to me, but at the same time, I do genuinely not believe in just like if someone likes clearly lots of people still like Raw for oh, whatever for sure. reason, yeah, and that's fine. But 
I do Stockholm Syndrome, I think it's called. Yeah, Sorry. maybe, maybe. That's <laughs> it. But I do have a thing personally where I'm like, well, if you'll still like it, I don't like it, so I'm just going to not watch it and not complain. Yeah. But every time I hear about anything happening on Raw or SmackDown, I go, what? Why? Yeah, it's confusing <laughs> like, as fuck, man. Like, it doesn't matter what it is. I just kind of go, oh, for God's sake. You well, know. assuming he's not the surprise Hall of Fame car, like quality signee for AEW, um, I could very much see them having Brock Lesnar sign on for a match against uh, Bobby Lashley. That seems like a WWE thing to do, you know, with the big man thing and big meat men slapping meat. So, watch that. To be space, fair, like that at least makes some level of sense. Yeah, <laughs> like no, for sure. I don't know, like because Bobby Lashley's kind of a powerhouse. They've always yeah. sold but Brock as a powerhouse. That sort of makes some sense, but yeah. And uh, that brings us to the end of our show. Hugh, it's been very nice having you. Um, I have no Sorry, I say. muted myself, but yeah, I know it has. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> yeah. Do you want to uh, plug anything before you go? Like your oh, favourite flavour uh, um, sauce? Well, this. kids, this was our show this week. We're happy <laughs> to you. <did. laughs> what? 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 Anyway, I, I actually have this uh, podcast called the Western Bias Podcast. and. No. Uh, you never told me about that. Yeah, like, you don't really want to hear it. It's, it's just really high-quality comedy skits. Uh, we're both stand-ups on the local scene, and obviously stand-up stopped, so we did what every straight male comedian did and started a podcast about how interesting our viewpoints are. It's on pretty much everything uh, that you can listen to it. Uh, basically, Mauricio brings important and interesting things, and I mock him for finding anything important and interesting. Uh, and every now and then, someone directly messages us to say if this show was just Mauricio I would listen but Hugh's a horrible human being so who you know who said that who said no, that no I'm making it up but I feel like it's good publicity for us so. <laughs> I feel like it's good publicity to lie um, <laughs> that's that's everything from us uh, so tune in next week Jack will be back I'll be here as always Patrick might be here I don't know plans change uh, nothing nothing else to do but me to sign off with a uh a plagiarized wrestler catchphrase. So tune in next week, you stupid idiot. <laughs> <laughs>